Customers love options. Bike builders like options too. When you're looking for the highest quality plug and play lighting for your V-Twin, why not make the same choice as professional builders and make the switch to electric lighting? Electric lighting is the choice of builders like Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness. Even builders like myself have made the switch to electric lighting. Electric quality isn't just quality you can see, electric quality is quality you can feel. Did I mention that electric lighting was the first manufacturer to offer a lifetime warranty on all LED turn signals? Visit your local independent motorcycle shop or online at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. As a lifelong mechanic, I figured I'd already tried every type of hand cleaner imaginable. From mom's dish soap to dad's pumice bars. From powders to lanolin-based cleaners. I was just about to give up, say forget it, and mix up my own concoction. But then I heard about Full Bore Hand Cleaner. Full Bore isn't just another hand soap. Full Bore is a hand scrub. Full Bore is formulated right here in the USA with features like soft abrasives, skin moisturizers, and special odor eliminators. So there's no need to rewash your hands before dinner. Full Bore also has no harsh solvents, and that means there's no sticky film left behind, and Full Bore won't irritate open cuts. When you're ready to get clean, go Full Bore. Visit FullBoreClean.com and enter the code GARAGEBUILT to receive free shipping on orders over $70. Welcome back to the Hell on Wheels Garage Built Podcast. This is episode 26. My guest, Xavier Mural, is the proprietor of Providence Cycle Works outside of Austin, Texas. He is part of the Cycle Source family and part of the High Seas Rally, which is a motorcycle rally on a cruise ship that's going to happen this coming December. And um, he and I met in Daytona and were part of the handmade lot at the Broken Spoke. And we hit it off and we talked motorcycles and music and all the other things in between. And uh, I was glad to have him on the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. Can you hear me? Now I got you. See, now I got audio too. Sweet. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not doing, I'm not like techie enough to do the, uh, dude, the Chris video shit. is ridiculous, dude. He is such a self taught, ridiculous genius when it comes to all this stuff. Like, yeah, completely. But he lives somewhere uh, where there's no life for four months, so he can lock himself in his basement. Totally. And this whole thing after he did the cyber rally, and he called me up the next day, and he's like, bro, you don't even know. I got hooked up with a student in Sweden who's got me all this stuff, and I'm now at 1080 IP, and my constant wave file is dead. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What Stop. are you talking about? I'm like yeah. – he's like, I have – what do you call it? I have network quality video and audio now. I'm like, Awesome. Yeah, that's good, and I, I want him to have that, too, because um, my opinion of Chris is uh, that he has nothing but good intentions. I think he's honestly oh, – yeah. That yeah. guy um, 
I guess I should probably back up and just say who we're talking to. I'm talking to Xavier Muriel from Providence Cycle Works in Texas. Hi, Xavier. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Welcome hey, hello, to the Hell hello, on Wheels Peter. Garage Built <laughs> Podcast. Um, I, you know, I don't, I, I, I really, this is something that I enjoy doing enough to where I want to do it enough to figure out, figure a way to, to, to make it part of what I do professionally. But my mom paid for me to go to radio at school like 30 years ago. And so she's like, I finally get to hear you do something with it. <laughs> That's awesome. But you've come, you've come for a full circle, bro. I know. Right. And so, and I, everybody always told me I have a face for radio. So yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of what it is, but right. Um, I wanted to, uh, just get things started here real quick. I, I'm kind of, I had a, I had a hell of a day. It's just my, one of my favorite sayings is some days you're the kid with the magnifying glass and other days you're yep. the ant. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, today I was the ant. So, <laughs> but so getting back to Chris, that's the dude I want to have. Um, that's the guy I want to have all, all those capabilities because yeah. I think every and intent that he has is to try to promote everybody but himself. To it, to a fault. Trust me, to yeah. a fault. I mean, he does he does some stuff sometimes where, you know, I I talk to him probably three times a week. Um, not only motorcycle related, but even when you know we started putting Black Smoke Centers together, and um, some of the stuff that he just takes on for the community, the motorcycle community that he really feels is. Um, is falling, man. It's it, it's deteriorating. It's going away, and 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 it really bums him out because you know he's never going to say it, but from a guy who literally created the first Cycle Source magazine right. by stapling pieces of copy paper together, it was a zine. It was a legit it, zine. It was a total like he wanted nothing more than to get out there take what he put it what, what he had created on the paper and get it to the masses and, right. and and got it to each little shop one by one so like 22 years later for him to have you know a magazine that is now the mag yeah what you it, know there's he, american he, iron he, but it's that doesn't really hit the mark he has he has outlived outweighed outworked out suffered out sacrificed every publication out there and yeah. that's just the magazine, not talking about what he does for the motorcycle community after that, like the handmade lot at, at, the, at the spoke and then the mini bike races and all that stuff that he does that a lot of people don't really get it. You know, and I, to I told him that in Daytona and I think I pissed him off too. <laughs> I think I made him <laughs> mad. I said, you know, dude, I get to sit back here and I get to watch you run around like a chicken with your head cut off. And Agreed. do everything for not only myself, but every person that's here at the Broken, Broken Spoke and wherever else that is that you go when you take Cycle Source on the road. And I get to I get to watch them look at you and really don't understand and grasp what kind of man you are, what kind of fiber builds Chris Callen. And it bums me out because some people just kind of look at him and go, oh, he's Chris and he's fun and mini bikes and – you know, drag races and, and chopper shows and grease gears and garage. But dude, the amount of work that that man puts into everything motorcycle related makes me tired when I open my eyes. He's just never stops, you know, 
And he doesn't want it for himself. No, he almost doesn't want anything in return. He almost doesn't want, I don't know. It's very, I, I, you know, I've, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of how far back, uh, I remember, I remember meeting, I don't know if you remember meeting me the first time we met, but I remember vividly meeting you. I met you at Bill's, uh, at Bill's party, 2017 or 18. I don't remember. You and I are both standing over looking at the, the, uh, artwork that was at the front of the building. Oh and yeah, yeah. Aaron Green's picture was kind of dissipating, and I said it reminded me of um, oh, Back to the Future, where Marty McFly was on stage, yeah. and, and it was kind of watching his hands. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. so prior to that, though, I had heard of of you, kind of. I've heard of you. I knew that you were part of um, a group of people that I didn't didn't orbit around, but I mean that that was part of you know, hung out with Billy and hung out with Billy and, and, you know, we're into his bikes and stuff. And there's always been kind of some, some people that have been around, but they don't mm-hmm. stay. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you get to meet them and it's cool to get to meet somebody who has had some of the experiences that you had. And we'll get into that hopefully in a little bit. But I remember Chris when he was kind of just a, a portly backward hat wearing, you know, slightly overweight, Mm-hmm. Hoka hay riding hat you know <laughs> wanting to make sure that everybody had a good time kind of dude and i feel yeah. like i don't want to talk out of school but i feel like a lot of people dis discounted him maybe yes what's the right word where you kind of invalidate somebody and kind of just marginalize that's what i'm looking for where people marginalized what he did yep marginalized what he had the capability of doing and thusly maybe tried to um, usurp some of his effort, if you will, yeah. try to claim it for their own. And and I'm talking about somebody specific that it doesn't matter who it is, but um, there was a, there was a lot that we had at the skate park for three or four years called the limp Nikki lot. It was mm-hmm. back when it was brand new. That was one of the funnest things we ever did. So mm-hmm. I'm, my, you know, there's classes of just like there's classes of musicians and classes of I don't mean class like upper middle class that I think I'm talking about like your high school class. Right. There's a group of people yeah. that, you know, in the around 2002, 2003, 2004, there was a group of us that all started in the business. Guys like mm-hmm. myself, uh, Paul from Bare Knuckle, Pat from Lead Sled, Cody from Whoville Speed and Custom, uh, myself, um, I. I there was there was like a group of people that kind of orbit around that that we we didn't have the we didn't have the trajectory that guys the class before us is arguably probably one of the best motorcycle classes around you know Correct. the Billy Jesse Jim Nazzy those dudes all can write their own ticket now because they did the right things on you know they built the foundation to their career and it's there good bad right. and different you can you know I happen to consider myself friends with Billy so I don't care about any of the bad stuff that happened i care about right. you know that he's that he's happy and healthy and doing what he wants to do and he's still in the business he's mm-hmm. easily the most innovative person in the last 30 years in the business i would say that to anyone and mm-hmm. i would argue that with anyone jesse mm-hmm. his quality was second to none right mm-hmm. his you know if you wanted a chopper that was you know you could order an el diablo uh you couldn't order a blue from billy you know what I'm saying? Right. You get yes. what I'm saying? Like if you wanted a knuckle yeah. sandwich, there was Absolutely. one knuckle sandwich, there was one misbehaving, there was one whole mm-hmm. lot of Rosie. They all yep. kind of look like they were, it's like a song. We were talking, you and I were talking back in 
at the handmade lot about you know you hear that note in a song and you're like oh that's a van halen tune that's a van halen yep. lick or that's an acdc yep. you can you can kind of hear it right well yep. so people's that's one of the good things that builders have is they kind of have a look that they go with and uh the limp nicky lot was one of those things getting back to chris that he kind of fostered that and created that environment and then mm-hmm. i you know if people yeah. would have just let him handle it it right. probably would have never went away is what I was trying to right. get at. And you watch right. like simple things like you touched on the mini bike races. Um, I was involved with that this year and there's more to it than just <laughs> oh yeah, rolling a tree out there and, and stuff. I mean, Chris oh, deserves yeah. a lot more credit and Chris, I think we'll get it. I yeah. think Chris is the guy that he's going to be in line for the mayor of Sturgis award and he deserves a walk on the hall. of You know, he deserves yep. a spot in the yeah. hall of fame. You know, I mean, he's, he and he pays homage to everybody. The guy is the most respectful and respectable person in our business, hands down. I've never heard him say an ill word about anyone, anything, at all. Period. He right. just wants to promote us. You know, and the greatest thing about you know, I I can you know, I feel extremely honored and blessed in order to, to have um, a guy like that in my phone book, in my, in my phone, you know, because much like the guys that, um, you know, you spoke of them, Billy, Jesse, Paul, Larry, Nazi, all those guys that were in a completely different class back then and still are to this day. They're just not as in your face as, as most of the stuff nowadays. But, you know, Chris is, uh, who else is doing it? No one, and to back up to what you were just saying, um, those guys all did it their way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And paid their dues and made room for guys to come up under them. You know, right. like when early in my career, <clears throat> I got accolades from Billy early in my career that I'll, I'll, I'll always, I'll, okay. I know I'm on, I know I'm doing the right things because I, I'm not getting, I'm in right. someone's face. I'm in someone's space. We're talking there, you know, and they don't have to say anything, but they, right. but they give you an accolade and it's like, okay, that's enough. You know, yeah. that, that's yeah. good enough. And you know, okay, go back, work harder, keep working. Yeah. You want to be like that. You want to have that kind of, uh, influence. Exactly. You want to have the, that kind of reward you need to, you need to put in that kind of work. And mm-hmm. those dudes, all those dudes you mentioned, one thing they all have in common is an absolute unbelievable work ethic and an ability to put to prioritize things around their work to where they get mm-hmm. the kind of work done in a day that they yeah. wanted to get done in a day. Billy, you know, Billy wasn't a guy that only partied. The Billy's a guy that worked 13, 14, 15 hours and still was able to do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and we were all young back then. That was tw- yeah. almost twenty years ago, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I mean, I think that you know, <clears throat> I'm. It's weird sometimes for me when I when I when I stop and think about the last seventeen to nineteen years of my life. Okay. One because of the music, but we can touch <laughs> on that in a li- and later on. But the path that I chose after the music was already established way in my use as far as motorcycles concerned. And then before I moved to LA and became that guy in that band, um, 
that didn't happen overnight. There were no Cinderella stories. Trust me. Right. Nobody was getting, nobody, nobody wanted to sign us. Nobody, nothing. It didn't happen the way a lot of people think it did. Trust me. But to then move into an area where I got to meet him and I had remembered partying with him in Austin at the ROT rally and see mid Daytona bike week years previous and then learning what kind of man he really was post accident. Sure. And I am, I am so grateful because the, when I left the, the, the band, I literally went to Florida, slept on his office floor and watched him work and learned and just wanted to soak up everything motorcycle related from a guy I had went from watching on biker build off and being completely enamored by his builds. Because again, like you said, there's only one hooch. There's only one Roxy. There's only one knuckle sandwich, misbehaving, um, King of New York, you name it. Right. So then watching, like you said, the work ethic where he would leave his house at 4 a.m. No, 3.30 a.m. before the girls get up. He would be at the shop at 4.15. He would work ridiculously till 8 or 9 o'clock when the rest of the world woke up and decided they wanted to stop by Chopper's Inc. and bug him right. with that typical line of like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know. And then he would be there pulling all-nighters, getting ready for the Sons of Speed. And I, I remember thinking a couple of times, like, how does, how, does, uh, how does a human do this, you know? And I asked him one time, I said, dude, you're not 30 anymore, bro. Right. We're in our 50s. You know, this is what happens. We get older. Things start to slow down. And he's like, I can't. So I then asked him, I said, well, what is the drive? And he goes, this is what I do. He goes, besides being a dad, besides being a husband, pre the craziness of biker chopperdom discovery nonsense, this is the same thing that I did then as I'm doing now. The only difference is not only do I have Chopper's Inc., but I have Mrs. Lane and three girls, and I have sons of speed. Right. And he goes, and nobody's going to do it except for me. And I thought that that was so amazing to see that a guy – who had everything in the world was a full-on rock star, in the greatest sense of all. Yeah, full-on rock star, dude. He was bigger. He was bigger as a bike builder on Discovery Channel than some bands were at that time. He, he would walk in and be like, "Oh my god!" And the band would walk in and be like, "Who cares?" And then right. lose it all, and then come back and get it all back, not by taking loans, not by borrowing, not by by building motorcycles by doing what he does yeah he didn't leverage anything up and and, and i don't want to you know i i I, w I really hope one day um that he and i have an opportunity to sit down and do the same thing that you and i were, you and i are doing right now and i think we will um but what i what i really want to i want to hear from you is is like so you touched on a couple of things and and i'm just gonna i you know if you don't know who i'm talking to um and you and I have, I, I, I was glad that we got some some FaceTime in Daytona because yeah. we did meet each other a couple of years ago, and and I know there was some back and forth on Insta as there is between mm -hmm. industry guys. You need something, I need something. You know, you're gonna be mm -hmm. here, you're gonna be there, and we have, you and I do have besides Billy, you and I have some mutual friends and Brian Butera and mm -hmm. and Nick from Mad Pen and stuff. But how do you? I, 
how do you go from being somebody that that is, I mean, arguably, you're in one of the most successful rock bands of the last 15 years. I mean, everybody knows three or four of your songs. Everyone does, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get into your, I don't want to get into anything that you don't want to get into, but I do want to get into, because I woke up one day in the car business and said, I was going to own a dealership. I was working for the fifth largest store in Michigan. I had 23 salespeople. I had a lot of responsibility. I was on a path to make a lot of money. And I went in one day and I felt like I wasn't getting mine. And I wasn't getting the respect I'd, I'd earned. And I really wasn't. And I wasn't getting the responsibility that I needed. And so they, I just left. Yeah. And I went home and Karen was like, what are you doing? Wait, why are you home? And I told her, <laughs> I said, I don't work at the dealership anymore. She's like, we had just bought, we had just bought the most expensive home we've ever bought to this day. We bought a $280,000 house. She had a brand new car. I had a brand new car. I mean, all the things that you get when you have, yes, you know, yes. when you have a, a good, good job and, you know, mm -hmm. two kids and live in a nice neighborhood and all the, all the requisite things. Right. And then, um, I just said, I'm going to do the bike shop thing. And I made $0 a week for four weeks. And then I, I got to $200 a week for probably four to six weeks. And then I got to $400 a week. You know, it, mm -hmm. it took me about six months, but it got to be where I was m making ends meet, not making sure. anywhere near what I was making before. But there was something inside me that, that was complete. Mm -hmm. You know, I had everything. I had two beautiful kids. I married my wife while we were still right out of high school. Karen was still in high school when we got married. Like a lot of people don't know that, but <clears throat> I wanted, I wanted everything. Right. And one thing mm -hmm. I was never willing to do was leverage my marriage to have my bike shop because I had seen people go through that. And I don't disparage yeah. anybody for that. You do what you want to do. You do what you have to do. If you don't, you don't have a ride or die. I'm sorry, but I did. And yeah. Karen and I are still <laughs> together, you know, 26 years in, but it walked me through the decision to go, I've done all I can. Here's what I think happened. I think you woke up one day and said, I've done everything I can do with this. And I still, I have a bucket and it's not full and I want to put more into it. And I, and I, I'm, I'm being pulled in a, in a, in a different direction. Walk us through that. Wow. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I sit here, I'm in my office and uh, at my house and I have, a lot of things going on in here. I have a lot of musical accolades. I have some motorcycle accolades and I have the two, the three most pieces, the three most important articles of, of things that I have are all for my father. And one of them is a handwritten letter, uh, a 28 of 05 and a, my graduation card that he gave me. And, um, a handwritten thing in, in April of 87, uh, entitled Faith. Now, these are all things I have in my shadow boxes. And, and when you ask me that, and I'm looking at this, I boil it all down to the fact that I don't know what happened the first time I picked up a salt shaker at five years old and st stood on a, on, a, on a table in a diner and sang Hound Dog. When people started to clap, something happened, mm -hmm. and it took off from there. <clears throat> and when music came into my life. I mean, I got my first motorcycle along with my brother when I was five. So I had a little Honda MR50 at five. Okay. And my brother had his little, his 125 Elsinore. My dad had that ugly orange Harley 250 single longer 
Aramuchi. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that Aramuchi, that orange one with the AMF, which to this day, if I could find one. That's kind of beautiful. I, There's it something it about it. That. There's something about it. And that was my old man's. <clears throat> so the blood or, or, or the motorcycle seed has was planted way before the musical seed okay. way before at 10 i saw kiss for the first time and that's what did it and it wasn't with peter chris it was with eric carr so it was on the creatures of the night tour so that kind of really started my musical thing but i can remember being really young in my brother's trans am at, at the age of eight and him listening to van halen one judas priest screaming for vengeance kansas and Ted Nugent, all oh, and ZZ Top DeGuayo, all on eight track. <laughs> I like your brother you, already. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, and, and you'd be listening to Jamie's crying, whoa, and he go, and it switch. Yeah. So music was always in my household. My parents were listening to Latin music on one side. I was in the middle listening to uh, FM and AM pop radio, and my brother was listening to rock and roll. So I had this really nice, broad, crazy. In musical influence going on and it just carried through and then when i saw when i saw kiss at 10 something happened and i was just like yeah yeah but, but i was riding motocross for kawasaki in beaumont texas okay so i was racing i didn't motocross. know you grew up down there. yeah with, with my brother yeah we lived all over the state of texas and louisiana because my brother was my dad was in the parts um um parts business with General Motors. So we moved around a lot. So like, you know, you hear those people who go, oh, I've known him since like the third grade. No. Don't know. Can't remember. Yep. I, I, I started somewhere remembering like, you know, eight, ninth grade. So I've always had music. And then <clears throat> the when I saw the Looks at Kill video, that was it. I was done. That's it. That's it. And everything after that became records stapled on my wall, Ozzy, Rat, Motley, Dawkin. And of course, and of course, people that are listening are like, oh my God, that's all hair 80s metal. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they that's why in Buck Cherry they called me heavy metal hog. Because if there was an 80s question about an 80s band, they were like, I don't know. Ask Xavier, he knows. Because that's what I grew up in. Much like I grew up watching Discovery Channel and Biker Buildoff, so right. I <clears throat> that was it. I was done, man. I remember, I remember having uh, breakfast with my folks that next morning because this was back when MTV actually played music videos on MTV. They had the world premiere at midnight on Friday night with the little man running on top of the world. Yeah, and it was Motley's, and that was it, dude. I was done. Molly Crew changed uh, changed my life too. I, I think I told you Everybody, the story about yeah, 1984 yeah. <clears throat> Easter. My mom giving me shout at the devil. Yes, she would take the heat shrink, like put a, put a make a basket with the and it had shout at the yeah. devil with the pentagram kind of imposed oh, yeah. on there. And she's like, yeah, I'm not exactly. real sure this is a good Easter gift. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me give you the pentagram on Easter. Yeah. Well, and my mom's you know, agnostic. I had, I, I had I had um, breakfast with them, and I told them I didn't want to continue after high school going to school i didn't want to go to college i wanted to be a rock star and my parents you know my dad was like okay my mom was like you know in her spanish voice and from that moment on i never looked back my dad was like i'm not going to buy you a drum set 
you need to go mow some lawns or whatever it is you're going to do, but whatever you bring in, I'll match you. So I literally, that's, that's how deal. I, that's literally how I bought my first pearl black export drum set. I would go down every weekend and I would put down money. My dad would match it. And from that moment on, when I got my first drum set and my parents let me take one of the bedrooms and turn it into a band room. A talk about room. talk about the the visceral emotion when you're driving, when you know you got enough cheddar in your hand oh, to go dude, pick it up and get it out of layaway. Pick it up. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna you paint the picture because this is in the '80s, right? So anybody that's listened, because there's people that listen to this that grew up in the 90s, very different. Right, very, right, very, right. Different, very different, right? very different. Or if you grew up with the internet, very, very mm -hmm. different. We couldn't mm -hmm. go somewhere and find out if we were getting a good deal or not. Nope. No. Whatever you paid was whatever you paid. And there if you was, had someone was, that liked you, yeah, you got a good there was deal. No, there was no guitar centers back yeah, then. Where they had that was what Friday, I was just Friday, going, yeah, I was that, literally yeah, just going to no. say that, that you went to no. a local, so you... Were you still in the Houston Beaumont area back then? Yes. Okay, yes. so there was a music store where, uh, right next to the BMX store uh, at Rayford Road off of I forty five because I grew up in Houston, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so there was a there was a music store right next to the BMX store where I would go in there and you I would buy uh, the books with sheet music in it, tablature. Tablature yeah. just because it had like Motley Crue or it had you know Def I, Def Leppard, Motley Crue, the Scorpions. Those were yeah. those were kind of kind of my jams. But walk, yeah. talk about getting in that sta the family station wagon. I'm assuming oh, yeah. a station wagon. It we was did. a it was a '74 chocolate brown Monte Carlo. Oh, did it have With the did big... it have the slide out seat the the swivel buckets? It your dad, your dad did. was class. Your dad dude, was class, was dude. So down with the brown, bro. So and it was chalk, the drum set barely fit in that car. The doors were barely. like nine feet long in that car. Barely, barely. So and what was that like? That ride home. I remember him going. I, I said to him, I said, you know, Dad, by by Saturday, by this weekend, I'm going to have enough to pick it up. He <laughs> said, Well, what's the balance? And I said, The balance is one fifteen twenty seven or something like that. Right. So well, how much? How much do you have? And I said, I have. I have 75 and he goes, well, then I'm going to match you and we'll go get it. And literally we're driving and I've got that money in my, in my pocket and I've got my hand on it and I'm sweating because I'm so excited. Now, mind you, I had never played a drum set that was mine. I'd borrowed a buddy of mine's little Ludwig kit that I, sure. I it was just, it wasn't even, wasn't it yours. was like, yeah, I mean, you would have had better luck hitting, you know, uh, pots and pans. But driving with my dad and my dad's listening to, dude, it was Eddie Rabbit. It was um, <laughs> I love a rainy Winchel night. Wiper. Yeah, I, no, I no, the him. other one. Uh, the windshield wipers slipping on the radio, keeping time with the radio. Oh, I don't Gotta remember keep that. Rolling. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Keep on I'm driving rolling. my life away. Ooh, driving my life. Oh, I'm driving my yes. life away. <laughs> That was it. <laughs> and I remember that song. And we're oh driving. Oh, my we're, God. We're, my grandmother driving, had that eight track. We're driving from Beaumont to Nederland, Texas, which is okay. where ANS Music is, which is where Frank Beard from ZZ Top bought his first drum set from the same little old man that I got Nice. Mine. How we cool is there, that? And he handwrites me the, the ticket, paid in full. It, there was no computer. It was handwritten. And I still have it. And Dude, you got to frame you, that. You need to frame that. Oh, that yeah, needs to be yeah, in that oh, room. Yeah, I, I do. I do. I, well, I have it, but I haven't put it in a frame yet. Yeah. And we load the drum. The drum set was still in the box. 
So he pulls it out and he's like, this is your 10, your 12, and your 13, your 16. This is how you put your heads on and this is what you do. Because I had no idea. Just, Couldn't Google I had it. no idea. What, yeah, no. Get YouTube and how to tune your drum it set. It was none of that, bro. And we put it all back in the box. We cover it up. The, the kick drum itself had to be taken out of the box and put in this trunk and then everything else went in the back seat. Right. We get home. Here's the kicker, right? I'm all excited. Yes, yes. Got I'm a, a rock star. I got no sticks or pet or cymbals. <laughs> so, so I go. Oh, Dad, we got to go back. We we have to go back to A and S, and we got to buy cymbals. And he's like, "Do you have money?" I'm like, "Well, no, but I have a drum set with no cymbals. What what am I going to do with that? It's like kind of having a lawnmower with no gas." He's like, "Guess you better go ahead and uh, make some more money, huh?" Cut to. A week and a half later, my father's going to Houston. Right. And he and I said, Dad, you know, in Houston, there's the world famous drum shop. And he's like, Really? And I go, Yeah, can I go with you? Maybe we can stop by and check some stuff out. He's like, Yeah, that's fine. Because we were only going for the day. So we get up there, he does his business, and the whole time he's at the dealership, and I'm just like pacing, bro. I'm like, fuck, I want to get out of here. The store is going to close and da-da-da-da-da-da. So he finishes up, and we're heading back, and I go, so um, are we going to have time to stop by? He's like, yeah, let's see if we can stop by. So we pull in, and they're about to close by like mm. five minutes, and I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, not, I'm never going to get My heart just metal. dropped. Yeah. So we, my, and my dad, as, as cool as he is, dude, my dad was like the Ricardo Montalban. He's like, I tell you what, just let us go in for five, ten minutes. We'll see what happens. And the guy's like, uh, okay. So we go in there, and the guy's like, so what are you actually looking for? And I go, I don't really know. You know, I just got a drum set last weekend, and it's a Pearl Export. He's, oh, that's a great kid. And he goes, well, do you have cymbals? And I go, no, that's kind of why we came here. And I told him the whole story. And he goes, well, you know, there's this – if you go with Zildjian, it's really expensive. You go with Peisty, it's really expensive. And then he goes, but there's this awesome company that just came out. We're running a special. They're called UFIP, and they're made from Turkish metal. And I was like, well, isn't that what the U the Wuhans are made out of? He's like, very good. Yeah, so you've read Modern Drummer. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> there was no internet. internet. There was no YouTube. There was no YouTube. It was You had to go pick up Modern Drummer, and you had to flip through it. And, and you, you had, had to, to read. And read. You had to read. It wasn't just like, oh, I know, you know. And the guy's like, well, you know, what if I made you a deal right now? And I said, well, you're going to have to talk to that guy. So before I knew it, I was walking around looking at stuff like just freaking out, man. Just like, oh, my God, this is heaven. And I get back to the counter and the guy's handing my dad a receipt. <clears throat> And I go, what's going on? And he goes, put them in the box. And come on, Javier, let's go. Uh, all right. So we get my dad's carrying this box and he puts it in the car. And then I open it up. He had bought me a ride, one 16 inch crash, and a set of a set of 14 inch hats. I'm in business now, dude. Yeah. And the guy threw in a couple of pairs of sticks because my dad told him I didn't have any sticks. That was it, man. I get home. I set it all up. I'm looking at. Nico McBrain from 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 Iron, Iron Maiden, Maiden on the wall. He's got that huge drum set that looks like it's just you know five thousand drums, and I kind of mock mine and mimic it and put it up like that. And Is that your dude? No, no, that okay. was just, I just had a massive amounts of drummers Drum, cool, on on the wall. Yeah, because remember, much Tommy's like, your dude, right? 
yeah, Tommy's my dude. Yeah. Okay. And I literally set the drum up, the drums up because I didn't know how to set drums up. Right. And I set them up and I tuned them the best that I could. And they were, it was awful, dude. It was like, boom, 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 you know, it was horrible. But that was it, man. And then I remember learning every day after school, you know, cause this was in the summertime. So school started and then I would literally go to school and I'm like that, that thing that you see if anybody's listening in the movie where the kids got the, the little Walkman and he's listening to, um, music and he's got like the the bad joe elliott like you know yeah hairdo and and you're not allowed to have long hair really but kind of no no and i'm bopping my head down the halls you know just waiting to get home so that i can just beat these things because i don't know how to play i just know that i love them and one thing led to another and i you know took two lessons from a guy that i i had no patience for because I'm that guy. Can I just say, though, I've taken drum lessons from lots of different people, and I find that drum lessons are you go into a room and you pay somebody to show you how good of a drummer they are. I just feel that way. I'm not trying to be mean, but, I mean, I've I've had a drum set since 1979, you know, off and on. I can't play a guitar. I've tried to take lessons in that, and I think that's something you probably really need lessons for. But yeah, yeah. every time I've ever taken a drum lesson, it's I'm paying somebody fifty five dollars an hour for them to show me how good show a you how they good are. they are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, and the, and the thing was was back then, where, and it's a lot different now. But like even back then, I took two lessons: one to learn the difference between match grip and traditional, and traditional, and then how to play a quarter time beat. And then I was like, "That's it. I'm done. I don't need you anymore. I'm good. I can go." Because again, I didn't want to learn rudiments. I didn't want to learn how to play odd meter and syncopation and independence. I wanted to learn how to play red hot off a shout at the devil. That's it. That's all I want. I could care less about all that shit. I don't even care. You know, I'm the I'm the typical kid who wanted to sprint before he knew how to even put shoes on. And that's literally how my entire musical career went. I just dove in, man, and I met Guys at school that had Marshalls and Les Pauls and that guy thought he was a singer and this guy had a cool bass rig and he had a PA and the next thing I know, man, I'm in a band. I'm in I'm in I'm a freshman in high school now and I have a band called Predator. That's actually a good name. <laughs> and dude, we had three or four originals. We played two covers. And we played a concert for the choir department as an elective for a grade because it was music. Right. So we played this really bad show in the choral in the choral department. Right. No, the PA the PA was like a, a like a bullhorn kind of small little thing. Right. No mics on any of the drums. The, as a matter of fact, the drum set kept moving. Cause it was on a carpet. It just kept moving. And I remember we got done and my choral teacher came over and she said, that was really good. And I'm like, well, of course it was. Yeah. And a girl named Becky Valentine came over and asked me for an autograph. Really? And a stick. And I'll never forget it. How and funny that is was, that? It was crazy. Wouldn't it be funny if she still had it? Oh, I mean, insane. Yeah, insane. it would be it would be insane. But that again was that little taste of 
And it, was, it was like the five-year-old with the salt shaker in it. Now it was now it was a, a kid in high school with a drumstick and going, oh, people dig this. Yeah. And that was it. And and then after that, I literally that's all I did was eat, sleep, shit, music and drums and and but again, I was never that drummer. And I don't know why it is, but I was never that drummer who wanted to be the drummer's drummer. I wasn't interested in guys like that. I was okay. interested in dudes like Tommy Lee, Tommy Aldridge, even John Bonham, even though I didn't get into Zeppelin till way, way, way later on when somebody came up to me and said, yeah, you're really good. You got all the stuff and the hair and the flipping and the, yeah, cool, but you're missing everything about what your job as a drummer is. And I was like, okay, what do, you know, so I and again, I was a huge Aerosmith fan from the beginning because nice. my brother was. My yeah. brother was. I remember hearing, you know, rocks for the first time and hearing um, uh, uh, Toy, Toy Toys in the, the Attic, Attic dude, <laughs> on, on my brother's A-track, you know. and What a horrible medium to get music from. Total. Dude. But that but. was literally the reason – you know, that I listened to that kind of music was because of my brother. And then again, and this is a total, total guilty pleasure, but I remember, because I was a skating fanatic. Really? A roller skating fanatic. Oh, okay. And I, I worked at many roller skating rinks as a DJ and also as a skate guard. So there was a huge influence of what you would consider disco back then, but Every one of those records that was made by by the Ohio players, Parliament. Function, Parliament, Michael Jackson. Um, dude, Off the Wall is one really? of the most underrated dude, dude. albums ever. People yeah. don't talk about Off the Wall. Yeah, You don't get yeah. Thriller if you don't have Off the Wall. And to be yeah. honest with you, Thriller was great. I love Thriller. Yeah. Off the walls, to off me, the off the walls is a better so album. Better, Sorry, so it just better, is. So and I'm better. a Michael Jackson. When it comes to music, yeah, I, it, forget all the other stuff. Yeah, music. I can remember in 1983 when I saw him moonwalk at the Motown 25. I was like, "What is that? <laughs> what is that? I'm. I want to exactly. do that. I've got to yeah. do that." Yeah, exactly. And the thing about all those records that we just talked about, and the king of them all. Was Saturday Night Fever? Oh, it was absolutely! All, it was all drummers. It was those a three dudes could write player. so much. It was a drummer and a bass player in a studio creating a feeling to make you do what they wanted to do because it was coming out of wax. Yeah, how awesome is that? You know, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to take all those influences and be that drummer that. And I didn't really understand it until decades later when I was in, in studios with really high caliber players and, and producers and engineers who don't give a fuck about who you think you are. They're there to make money as quickly as they can and to beat you senseless. Okay, so we <laughs> I know that we, we deviated from where – but that's a good place to for me to ask you a question as somebody who – I, you know, I love music. I have to have music playing 
all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's just it's I have like I wish I had a soundtrack. If I ever win the lottery, it's just going to be someone's going to walk behind me with a boombox playing like <laughs> how I feel and some sort of a song. You know what I mean? Like that's how ridiculous. Dude, that's I awesome. Am. I love that. So when you when you say that, it's like it, I love hearing that there's some sort of an equalizer because there are so many talented people in mm-hmm. in the music industry and then you when I I'm a liner notes guy. And I'm sad that, you know, people don't go through the process. We, You and I talked at length about going and buying a record and peeling yes. that peeling that clear cellophane off. And, here, and pulling that. that. Yeah. And yeah. putting the record, putting the needle on it. And as you're reading, I can remember getting uh, Van Halen 1984. Mm-hmm. Okay. And going home, putting the needle on and pulling the liner notes out and reading everything about it as I'm listening to the music. That was a, that was just something that I did. I'm yeah. sure everybody did it. I'm, it's not, I did it's, the exact mutually exclusive, thing. but exact then you find out thing. that music, that album doesn't happen without Ted Templeman. Nope. You know what I mean? Def Leppard, the good stuff, the stuff I like doesn't happen without mutt without mutt. A lot of the stuff from ACDC, the late stuff, late, it doesn't happen without mutt. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's all these dudes. Um, who's the guy, Jimmy Iovine or Iovine. Jimmy I- Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He was the producer on John Lennon's um, yep. rock and roll rock album. Rock and roll. You know. Who and, then on when to do Bruce Springsteen and who Tom does, Petty and. And uh, Stevie Nicks. And Stevie you know Nicks, what I mean? Yeah. Again, yeah. all the people that I really like. And I know we're nerding out on music, but I don't yeah. care. I love, no, I, I you know, we'll, we'll go your, back to motorcycle. It's your show, bro. We can <laughs> do whatever we want. <laughs> That's fine. You know? I mean, I just, I, those types of things are so visceral. So when you're in, when you say you're in a studio, are there musicians that are obviously like savants? Oh. You know, that go in and they just have like this vision, you know, like a, yeah. um, yeah. You know, a, uh, a a Kurt Cobain, a Scott. Uh, what was Scott's name? Scott Weiland, right? Scott Weiland, yeah. Uh, yeah. Axel Rose. These guys that kind of have these visions that do these visionary records and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do they trust producers? Do they get do they get what they need out of producers, or do producers get what they need out of when Bob Rock comes in? When when Motley hires Bob Rock to fix their fix their sound in 1988, 89 for mm-hmm. Doctor Feelgood. For Doctor Feelgood, is, is yeah. that a is there a quid pro quo there on 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 ideas or is it we're raw and you polish us up there's there's a couple no there's only really two ways that it happens okay when you have guys like the heavyweights like bob rock rick rubin yeah um, they will come in and because they have an extensive history and catalog of proven of proven winners you either you either do what they say or they highly suggest it because remember they didn't see, you didn't seek them they sought you so okay so if i didn't the know the band that. is oh yeah yeah if when perfect example when bob rock came in and did what he did with motley he did the same thing that he did with metallica, metallica. the difference being is that he took something from um, Motley that was ridiculously just chaos, great ideas and chaos, not so great to, to, um, tones. tones. Because you yeah. got to remember, you have to remember the normal person when they listen to a record, they don't get as in depth as guys like you and me. Why? Because 
guys like you and me, much like the guys that are listening to this going, why the fuck are we talking about this? <laughs> I don't <care>. Well, <laughs> gentlemen and ladies, when you're looking at a motorcycle visually and you start from the front axle and you get to the rear axle and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, kind of lost it there. Oh, yep. there it is. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing with music. You start to hear these tones where, why does the kick drum sound like that? And how come it's tucked perfectly in where that snare drum does this? And the guitar is right there, but here comes that vocal thing. It's just like creating a motorcycle. A riff is pipe on the floor. Okay. And that's how it all starts. So when you have a person who has this thing where for our situation now is mostly visual guys like that close their eyes and they see what they're hearing most people don't know how to do that they don't know how to see what they're listening to guys like bob rock rick rubin ted templeman andy johns yeah there's a good god rest i got to record with him and i'll never forget him looking at me going well xavier it's the kick drum that seems to be pushing on the third beat. And I'm like, well, how do you know it's pushing on the third beat? He's like, because when it comes back around to the one, it's behind. And I'm like, oh. So he could hear what I could not. So when you're so deep into making a record and the songs and you've spent months and you're laboring and you're fighting with your singer and you want to kill your guitar player, you have a guy come in who's a mediator and who hears this body of work and goes, yeah, I see where you want to go with that, but you're not going to get there on your own. Here's how we get there. Much like when you do a motorcycle situation, you look at it, but you listen to it and then you dyno it. You put this with that. It's all parts of the equation. It's all the variables to the equation that you're trying to get to that. That's what it is. So the perfect analogy from what you just said to me to to parlay to that into music or into motorcycles is when you're building a set of pipes and you build the back tube and it's perfect. Mm And you can't get the front tube to match. You can't get the front right. tube to fit. So right. you've got to, sometimes it takes somebody, you know, you have somebody come in and go, oh, well, why don't you just do right. this? How about you right. just throw, th- right. or you got to throw away that back tube that looks really good. Yep. Sometimes because you have you to. you know what? Right? Your chorus is really good, but your bridge and your B section are awful. So let's take that chorus and let's start from there. And it's just like, okay, well, that back tube, that back pipe isn't really working. But if we did this with it, it's the same thing, you know, creating. And I've had a couple of people ask me that. They're like, how do you do that thing? And I go, I'm such a simplistic person when it comes to music and motorcycles. Right. Because at the end of the day, I do music because I love playing drums. I love creating music. And it got to the point in that prior band to wrap all that up and to encompass it. I got to a point where it wasn't fun anymore. There you go. And I had, I had to have somebody remind me to go back to when I was a kid and all of the shit that I went through to get a gold record, to get a platinum record, to get on tour with Motley and Kiss and Nickelback and Aerosmith and all that shit. What was it that drove me back then? 
not what's nice and cool about being a successful musician now, but what was retap into that kid, retap into that kid. And that's exactly what I do with my motorcycles. All I've done is retap into when my father pulled up on that trailer and I was like, I don't even know what that is, but it's cool. Right. It's the same thing. You know, I'm, I'm such a simplistic and I, I use that word because it's the the easiest one and it's the it's the most honest one. I never wanted to be a drummer's drummer. I wanted to be the drummer that laid down a beat that made titties bounce and dudes have a great time. That's all I wanted. So you know. So how do you how do you uh, so okay so you you answered the question we got there the the long way but we got a good explanation that you ran out of fun it wasn't mm -hmm. filling your bucket your proverbial bucket mm -hmm. so you it, it you had to take a leap right you had to come home and go i'm not doing that anymore whether you I, you know i don't know what the other situation is but like where i had to come home and go ah, that's i don't work at the dealership anymore mm -hmm. no it was the same thing <clears throat> you had to come home and go it. i'm not a touring musician anymore you're always I, a musician i'm oh but see here's that's the funny thing is is when i was on the flight from new york city to austin for the holidays of 16, I knew that feeling. I knew what you felt. I was like, I'm done. I I'm done. I, I don't want to be in this band anymore. I didn't tell myself I was going to stop playing music. I was going to give up drums and I wasn't going to be. I didn't say that. I right. didn't quit. I, like I said, I told everybody, I didn't quit the music business. I quit the Buck Cherry business. So the beautiful thing about that is when I knew that, yeah, talk about scary because that's all I've ever known. I was just going to say, you're a as, kid as, when you got successful. Yeah. I, I mean, was, successful enough to make means happen. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're, when you get to do all of the things you dreamt of as a kid. Watching Tommy Lee, watching Joey Kramer from behind Tommy the stage, Aldridge, from behind the stage, yeah. and you get to be the guy that is them watching you now, right? And all the things that go along with it: the drum endorsements, the symbol endorsements, head stick, um, the cover of Modern Drummer magazine, all that stuff. When that happens, something took over me, and I lost track of that kid who went, man, I want to do that. I like that. So when that moment for you happened for me and I went, I'm just not having a good time anymore. Right. Why am I doing this? This is not what my father instilled in me to reach for my dreams, whatever it takes, but to sacrifice my soul for it. Absolutely not. No. And that's what was happening. I was becoming something for the industry that I didn't like. And when I chose to leave that moment of like, oh, man, this is real. That's real. There's there's no more. See, you, yeah. you land in Austin for the holidays. Uh -huh. You don't mm -hmm. tell anybody this right out of the gate. This is something mm -hmm. that you're kind of keeping to yourself because at this yep. point you have options, right? You've created yes. an option for yourself, really. I have. For, I so have you've, released, you've relieved a little bit of pressure. At this point, nobody knows how you feel but, but you. Right. So you right. think about it, and then you decide that at some point in time that you're going to do that. 
and then you just how do you tell i mean how do you do you do you know what you're going to do at that point you're like oh no. i'm okay so so you know well, that i knew i knew one thing I knew that the last decade of my life, I had been wanting to do Daytona Bike Week, Sturgis, Laconia, Sons of Speed, anything motorcycle related. As a pedestrian, right? As a pedestrian. Okay. Because now remember at that point, Billy and I were already great friends. We'd sure. already He'd already built me a chopper. He and, him and myself and my guitar player had ridden, had, had driven I from saw Florida that. to That was California. a fantastic a documentary. So, I was already in the motorcycle psyche, psyche as well as writing for Cycle Source magazine. Okay. So and collecting parts on the road because what better <laughs> way to collect parts than a gigantic tour bus and you're out for ten months and you hit every fucking city in America that has Craigslist. So I was already. And it's funny because I just remember this. I remember Stevie Dak and I'm a guitar player in, in Buck Cherry about two years before I quit. And I was doing the thing with Billy. I was, I was, you know, going there and I was working with him. And I was, I remember him saying, you know, Xavier, I totally see you after all this nonsense is done. You know, either you working for Billy or doing something on your own. I was like, yeah, whatever, dude. Who knew? Do but you- at that point, I literally had said, I know what I want to do. I'm going to enjoy my life right now. And I went to Florida and I went to Sturgis and I went to, I did everything that I wanted to do motorcycle related. And I literally put the drumsticks down and I was just like, I don't want anything to do with music. Now, when I, in my brain in November of 16, had already left the band, I didn't, I didn't technically or social media wise leave the band until March of 17. Little right. oh no yeah no February seventeen because one of my dear dear friends who's a, a huge mentor of mine was like you owe your fans the truth don't leave them hanging it's because of all those people that you have that chopper and that knucklehead and this and that so you owe them that do the right thing so I made a formal announcement and that was that and that's when it got real that's when it really hit me because once I hit send on Twitter. It was out there. Can I add, and you can tell me that you're not, you don't want to discuss this because I've never, first off, you're, I, I, I'm friends with you and I'm friends mm-hmm. with another individual who I won't, you know who I'm talking about that's mm-hmm. in it, that's in a pretty high profile mm-hmm. band mm-hmm. as well. And when you do that, I feel like, and you don't have to answer, this is just some weird curiosity thing. When you do that, mm-hmm. does immediately, is there a, like all of a sudden there's like, I feel like as soon as you do that, there's lawyers involved and people involved and problems and all all these other problems that you you don't have any way to insulate yourself from. Well, and don't get I'm not no no please. no no I, no, I, no, I, no it's I'm fine just, no no I you know I, I'm, I'm trying to go through the mental you know how how you get how you arrive at you know making the decision okay. is a hard decision to make obviously right you weren't happy yeah. doing what you were doing even though you probably loved those guys and had worked with them for so many years mm-hmm, but your mm-hmm. bucket wasn't full but how do you I, I mean, we've all quit jobs, but you go and you go, hey, look, I'm giving you two weeks. You don't give Buck Cherry two weeks. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to say. I'm not yeah. trying to be, you, I'm not trying to marginalize it or, you know, sensationalize it either. I'm just trying to say like, right. can you, I mean, that's a big thing. Being in a band is like being married to four other dudes and not having sex when you, after, after an argument. Right. That's what being in a band is like. It really is. 
Um, and unfortunately, I didn't know much like 98% of the people before me didn't understand that it was a business. I didn't understand it was the music business. Right. It is a business because the lawyers and the managers and the booking agents and the, 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 the analysts and all that shit that goes along with going, hey, let's get into a room together and jam. Oh, and then it's really good. And then the next thing you know, dude, you know as well as I do, how many bands yeah. have you seen that, that are brothers and they're gangs and they're tight and then success happens and you're like, very few get to live through that and make it a, that make scares it, the uh, make shit it their out own of escape. me. That scares okay. the shit out well, of me. Well, it's much like being in a marriage right. where your partner may either have their own employment, but the money is still the same in the same pot. Right. So now you've got all these individuals where all this money comes in, and then you've got this guy needs to get paid, and that guy needs to get paid. So to answer your question, when I left the, the – I call it the machine. Right. When I left the machine, I knew that there was going to be certain um, – certain tactical strategies that I had to have in order to secure what I had helped build Fair for 16 years. Yeah. Now, when you get into the legalities of, 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 of um, publishing and all that stuff, once that's done, once publishing is done and you have a public, you have a, you have a name and you have money that comes into that account, Depending on all those little machines that you see in every club that with the little touch to get you, that's money. Right. That's those are called royalties and mailbox money. That yeah. still continues regardless of whether or not I'm in the band because it is a business. I made an investment. Out, I made an investment. So did so did the former uh, guitar player slash uh, co co founder Keith Nelson. So I was really blessed enough to have a guy like that take me under his wing and go, Hey man, this is what you need to do. Blah, 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 blah. So just in case, blah, blah, blah. And that's what happened. But there's never, um, and again, you know, to anybody who's listening, I love all those guys. And, and it's a lot easier for me to say that now than it was three years ago. Cause it's only sure. been three years since I've been out of the band, but a lot has happened with my other life in those three years. But making that initial um, brain a thought thought that goes through your head like, well, what if I left? Who am I? Am I going to be okay with just being a civilian? Am I da 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 da? And I went through all of this crazy mental fuckery that you isn't know, a lot happens. of that self imposed though. It's all it's all self imposed, bro. Okay. Because when you get to the point where you're making a substantial amount of income because you sit behind a drum kit, you hit things with wooden sticks right. in front of a hundred thousand people. It all gets a little washed to some degree, you know. Um, and at the end of the day, I am no different than any other person out there listening. I eat, sleep, and shit. I put my pants on one leg at a time. And I had to decide for myself, was continuing in that project 
um, the be-all, end-all of who Xavier Muriel was? And the answer was no, no, because it took a friend of mine to go, so let me get this straight. You're going to leave the band, and now you're not a great drummer. Now you're not a cool dude, and somebody's going to come to your house and take all of your gold records and all of your Grammy stuff away. They're going to take that all away from you, right? And I go, fuck no, that's – no. He's like, exactly. Yeah. He goes, you are still who you are. You just don't do that anymore because what you did over there doesn't define who you are as a man. It's just a job. And when I could, when I learned to wrap my head around that, that it was just a gig, it changed everything, you know? That's why the windshield is a lot bigger than the rearview mirror. Totally. So, so that you don't, you know, and if you keep looking <laughs> oh. in the rearview mirror, you're going to run over something. <laughs> totally. You know? So, and, but, but not, not, you know, so the other half of that, of the fear is like, okay, this is real. Now what am I going to do? The only other thing that I love as, as much, much as, as playing music and creating music with dudes in a, in a studio, and then nine months later, it's a record that some girl's singing back to, to me in the front row Poughkeepsie, Illinois. <laughs> I don't know anything else. I know I love motorcycles. I know I love everything about them. And I've been lucky enough to have them as a kid grow up racing motocross, have some really awesome friends in the bike business. Right. So the next thought in my brain is like, well, yeah, I want to do that. The first bike that I actually, my first real build, Cholula, that I did in my one-car garage in Burbank was done because I didn't want to – it was because Billy goes, stop paying people to do stuff that you want to learn how to do. And that's I'm a, like – That's good advice. I'm like, uh, okay, so – Grabbed a frame in Denver, a motor in North Carolina, a transmission in South Dakota, and I put them all under the bay of the bus. And when we weren't touring, I was learning how, by lots and lots of mistakes, how to weld, how to bend metal. So primitive, Jason, that I look back on it now and I look at the stuff that I have in my garage and I'm thinking, oh my God, dude, what are you thinking? We've all been through that though. Right. But it's the same thing when Billy calls me up and I'm, and I'm telling him, dude, I don't really know. You know, Michael Lichter asked me to do a, a bike for his thing. And he's like, so you woke up one day and you were just a great drummer, right? You just, you just woke up and you were just a, you know, you know how to do all. I'm like, oh, no, man. He goes, yeah, nobody else did either, Xavier. They all had to learn how to burn their hands with a rosebud, how to slam their fingers <laughs> in a planishing hammer. And Get one of their dreads ripped up by a lathe. Yes, yes. He goes, and you're going to do it. Billy Lane and was the one that I saw on the bike, biker build-off, and I went. So I had a bike shop. My, I talked my, you know, my dad and I opened our bike shop up, and I hadn't seen uh, the biker build-off thing really yet. And then I watched Billy build Misbehave, and I'm like, that's this guy's job. Yeah. I can do that and for a living. And he looks like he's in and he looks like he's in Bob Marley's backup band. Yeah. And then I met him and I was like, This is this is this is this, cool. This, like, you know, I mean cool. this is right. I can do this. Like I'm yeah, yeah. with within a short period of time of working hard, I found myself in situations where I was like, This is this is odd <laughs> to me. Like I'm you know yes. and, and yes. I, I don't know part of it was parlaying all of the the experiences I had prior to that building race cars and stuff because mm -hmm. that was kind of yes. my background and BMX was my background. Yeah. 
and I build a lot of BMX bikes, and and I know that sounds silly to try to compare the two, but it's no, it's still it's, it's still hat in hand, thing. wrench in hand, figuring things yeah. out. You know what I mean? And it so, is still creating something from nothing and an idea in that melon of ours, and we go, you know what would be cool? It's the same thing, and whether it's a music, a, a musical piece, a be a a badass mongoose or Harlow, yeah. Yeah, not Harlow. What was Harrow? Harrow. Dude, that those bikes were so bitching or a rigid. It doesn't matter. It's all, all still the same creating shit. something from materials with your two hands. That's it, you know. And, and and I that's the biggest thing that I love about the motorcycle stuff. And again, you know, look, man, I'm not <laughs> I'm 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 smart. I've I've been doing I've been on this earth long enough to know a lot of things. Sure. One thing I know is that anytime somebody actually goes after what they really want, they get it if they really want they, it, if they really want it. And there's always going to be somebody there to hate them for it. Sure. Whether, whether it's music, motorcycles, um, tennis shoes, it's all the same. And, um, I don't regret leaving that other situation and I don't regret getting into this one because trust me, you know, better than I do, brother. There's no money in custom motorcycles. No, there's not. But there is a lot of <laughs> happiness. There's a lot of opportunity. And I could and it's a level be playing happier. Field. Yeah. So I couldn't be happier. March 2017, you hit send on the thing, right? You mm -hmm. said you, you said yeah. you, you you know to your fans. I'm assuming mm -hmm. Twitter is is yeah. It was Twitter. Yeah, because okay. I, I didn't even know what Instagram was. Right. So you do Twitter, and then uh, you set the phone down. Mm-hmm. In my in that, garage in Burbank. In Burbank, with yeah. where you're building this bike. Mm -hmm. And so, what happens? What happens next? What, I mean, I'm sure the phone. I'm I'm here. I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna make up a story. Phone starts going bananas. You take one or two calls, then you realize, oh shit! Like I'm now. You don't want to take any more calls. You have to answer <laughs> a lot of questions to people. People are calling you and texting you that you haven't seen in a long time, heard from in a long time, oh, people yeah. that aren't your friends that know you, that happen to have your number, all mm -hmm. all the imaginable things happen, and it becomes real, yeah. and then you decide, okay, this is, when do you decide that the bike thing is going to be your vocation, and then what's the first investment you make as far as tools? How long does it take, you know? I set the phone down. I turned it off. I looked over at at Cholula's frame, the motor and the transmission on my lift. I looked at my, my, um, my welder that Billy had sent me. Right. He sent me my first welder that with no, with no high frequency, total fucking lift art. Lift oh, scratched nice. art. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Old school. Yeah. And I looked at that bike on the lift and I realized that I was building it for myself. I wasn't built. It was never built to, to, to sell or to be on the cover of cycle. So it was never built for that, Jason. It was literally built for me as a way to segue something for my focus away from the music and the band and the 10 months of touring to focus on a motorcycle and how to learn the hard way what the guys that I really admired do. And then I turned on my phone at the end of that day and it was texts and calls from guys in every major rock band 
that I had either toured with, grew up listening to, was friends with going, what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you, are you, because again, everybody always likes that saying, or you could party like a rock star. Everybody wants to be a rock star, but everybody doesn't really understand what that's like. And I hate that term because there's nothing that 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 term doesn't hold what it used to when I was a kid looking at Tommy Lee. Well, to me, a rock star is somebody who is. I think of I don't think of a rock star as somebody who does a bunch of drugs and alcohol. I think of a rock no. star as somebody who has got confidence, wants yeah. to prop up other people up, wants to make people happy, wants to kind of light the room up. You know, when they yeah. leave it. That to me, I mean, you know. Yeah. Rocks being a rock star is somebody. I, I think you leave the room brighter than what you you left it. I, I know there's a lot of negative connotations that go with yeah, it, but yeah. I, but I when mean, I tell somebody I, they're a rock star, I, I mean, I, I think that's a comp. It's a compliment I, if I say it. If I ever say that to yeah. somebody, it's a compliment. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It, what it used to mean is it doesn't mean the same anymore. And when I when I looked at that and I looked at the motorcycle and I and I looked at my backyard in Burbank and I was like, okay, it's real. It's on. Now what? And the only thing that I could remember was my dad in my head, you know, because by that by that time he had passed already. Was was keep going. Whatever it is, if you love it, keep going. If if you don't, get out. Do you subscribe to the adage that um, uh, about friends? Like uh, we've all had friends that maybe we thought we were better friends with than we were and then to get into a different situation. Like, you know, I'll give you an example. When you work at company A and then you leave company A to go to company B, you at company A, you had a bunch of friends. You go to lunch with them. You maybe hang out on the weekends. Your wife's got to be friends and that. And then you move to company B and you're not friends with them anymore. Does the same right. thing happen in your job when you're, when you're a musician? Same thing. Because now you're not... You're a pedestrian? Um, you're a pedestrian. You're a civilian. You're no longer the guy that they love to call while they're at the bar and go, Hey, listen, Xavier, your songs on the, on the PA and Oh, here's all my friends. And people are like, Oh yeah. Hey dude, I love you. That's sad. But, but it is sad, but not for me. No, no, I get that. For them. Yeah. But, yeah, but you're sad for them. Now, but I get it. Yeah. I get it. Now, uh, you know, my contact list in the last three years has gotten so much smaller and I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, now I know because there was a part, there was a point in time in my life where it was all about quantity. How much? How much? How much? And now it's the exact opposite. It's like everyone that I have in that phone is special to me, and I'm special to them. And I know now that if I have a if I have a situation, I can make a call to three dudes, and no questions asked, they're at my doorstep. That is an amazing life. Yeah, if you, you have know? three dudes, I keep I I have a list of five, and I've got yeah. five dudes that, you know, uh, I don't I've got four right now. I keep five, but <clears throat> when my dad passed, I I haven't you know, no one stepped up and kind of filled that void. But mm -hmm. it's good to have people that you know, no matter yeah. what. They, if you shit the bed, they're gonna be okay. Yes. you gotta you and know the, you gotta put one the, foot in front of the other. Even more so, they're like, don't care who you are, don't care what you did, don't care how many bikes, don't care how many records. You, what's going on in that that chest of yours? How's yeah. that head of yours? I'm like, yes, that's what I want. And that was a weird thing for me, dude, for a long, long time because I had a very difficult time. Again, 
you know, dissecting and segregating that dude up there on that stage. And then the dude that loves to be in his garage sweating in 108 degree weather with a welding hood on. I call them dude bros. Yes. So I've had a lot of dude bros that, you know, uh, bike week friends, you know, you, you, you meet them in bike week, you exchange numbers, you talk all the time, then you see each other at Sturgis, whatever. And it goes on for a couple of years and then it's ghost. Yeah. And, and again, again, that type of stuff, um, I'm okay with, with, with a lot of acquaintances, Sure, but I've, I've got a couple that I know that are, that are there and they're solid and it's all good, man. It's all good. And that whole thing with that bike and the way it all came was, it, it's all Chris's fault, dude. It really is because the first cycle source in motion show in Galveston was 17 and I literally had spent all of the loud all of 17 dude like every bike event i was with them i was traveling with them i was just like soaking up this ah because remember buck cherry had played every one of these events but i never got to do anything fun i was always on either on stage or doing something else and then at the end of the night at 2 a.m i had to jump on the bus and take off again i never got to go to main street i never got to go to broken spoke or 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 you know I never got to go to, to Bear Butte Mountain. I never got to do any of that. Dude, nine years in a row, we played the Buffalo Chip. Not one out of one of those years did I ever make it out of the grounds. Never. So the first time I got to go to, to Sturgis in 17 as a guest of the Cycle Source family, and they put me up in their house, and they gave me a bike to ride. I'm like riding around going, oh, my God, what is this, you know? <laughs> I was tripping, you know, I was like, what is that big mountain? Chris was like, oh, that's Bearview Mountain. We're going to climb that tomorrow at 7 a.m. I go, well, who's we? He goes, oh, you, me, and Heather. I go, are you crazy? And there I was at 7 a.m. climbing Bearview Mountain all the way to the top, you know. And it was his fault at this Lone Star thing and Cycle Source show or the In Motion show. He's like, ah, I'm putting together this thing called it's in motion, man. It's a cycle source thing. It's happening in Galveston. It's the first year. And I've got all these builders and Jeff Cochran and Bill Dodge and, and, and he goes, and I need you to be a builder. And I'm like, I go, come on, man. Who are you talking to, bro? I did. I, you know, I love doing this. It's fun. And it's, it's cute. And it's, you know, he's, and I go, but I'm not a builder. He's so like, he pulled your card, dude, big time. And he's like, well, I'm asking you to be a builder at my function. That's good that you did it that way too, because I used to, I, you know, I, 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 I think you're a sum of, uh, you're the sum of the people you keep around you. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you should say, I, I think you should have, you should be well-intended and you should try to have goals and, and try to move towards mm-hmm. something. But I don't, yeah. I, I don't ever think you should label yourself. You can yeah. say, I want to do this or I want right. to be this, but I don't right, think right. you should try to label yourself something. And I've never, I've never labeled myself. I've to this day, I don't label, label myself as a builder. Right. Um, there's some criteria that I, there's some things I haven't done yet that I considered people that are builders can do. And maybe I can do it and I just haven't done it or whatever. But um, Paul at bare knuckle was the one that he says, and he told me this, this is a long, long time ago. He's like, you got to quit saying that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you got to quit saying that. He goes, you're a builder, you know? And I'm like, okay, that's great. My peers think I am. That's fine. You know, I'm I'm a lot of other things though. To my kids, I'm a dad, to my husband or to my wife, rather I'm a husband, you know, to my, to my parents, I'm their son, but, um, I'm a motorcycle guy. Like I, I, I love 
my motorcycle shop and the motorcycle business, Mm -hmm. you know, you had mentioned earlier, like about the marriage thing and being in a band and comparing the two things. And I've always felt like, um, you have to love being married sometimes more than you love what you're married to in order for that relationship (laughs) to have any, any real chance of surviving some, some, some unfavorable outcomes. And so, you know, I look at some of the, some of the bike shops that have gone out of business and I don't understand, I don't understand why, because I've had some of the same problems that they've had. And I just don't, I don't want to go home. I I don't know what else I want to do. There's nothing else I want to do. I mean, you know, I taught high school for a couple of years while I was still in the bike business and that was fun. Um, but it wasn't, that wasn't my true calling. And this, I feel like this is, I feel like I get up every day and I, I don't need an alarm clock. I'm there on time. I open the doors. I get it done. People know what they can expect out of me. I don't think there's much else that I can do. So right. if you're being called to something like this and, yeah. you know, if you're answering the call to be a builder, yeah. you build a couple of motorcycles, you're, I guess that makes you a builder. You and know it's what I mean? funny. I, I like you, like you said, I, I'm the same way. I don't, when I don't consider myself one. I consider guys that I look up to that have been doing it for a long time. That, that word, I'm the guy that is still so enamored by every little thing about it and still so rookieish and young and, and like green and all that. But at the same time, um, I love that you said that, like I get it done and I do it to the best of my ability when I'm in it, you know, because my biggest thing is that when he asked me to do that, first, I didn't want to say no to him because I love it. Right. And he's been so good to me. And in many, 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 many ways, not just motorcycles, but just being a stand up great dude that I can call up and go, Hey, man, I'm tripping about this and blah, blah, blah. All right, well, let's talk about it, you know. So to be asked to do that, and then to have to rise to the occasion. And it's funny that I don't, I look back on that and uh, dude, I was so freaked out because what I was creating by myself and a lot of people, you know, to this day have said, well, you know, Billy built that first bike for him. And I've, I've heard Billy, him not hearing him, not me, not knowing that I was right there. go, dude, I did not build that bike for Xavier. So you can just put that shit to rest. And having that thing that I did that was a representation fully of me. But yes, I have such an amazing roster of guys that are always so willing to help you included just recently. (laughs) You know, it's one of those things where if we can't do that, what, what are we all doing? You know, like the fact that I couldn't figure this out, I called Jeff or Will or Paul or Billy or, or you, Hey man, do you have da 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 da? And I remember sitting on my my garage floor and it was three in the morning and I had to be at the title office at seven to get the plates for that bike to take it to the in motion show because I had to do a 60 mile shakedown ride and then put it in the show along with Jeff, Bill, um, Ryan. A pretty strong Will, group of individuals. A that huge, you- a huge roster of guys that for all intensive purposes are some bad mothers. You know what I'm saying? All of them. I mean, they're just in their amazing. Own right. And then here's the little drummer guy, you know, and three in the morning and I call Chris and he answers. And I'm like, dude, I, I can't make it. I can't make it. I can't figure this one thing out. I can't figure this out. And he's like, hold on. He gets up out of bed. He goes out in the back. He goes, remember that time 
you told me about that gig that you were in, in, uh, in, um, you're about 150 or 180 kilometers outside of Paris and your bus broke down and you had a show in France. I'm like, yeah. He's like, what happened that night? I'm like, well, the fucking opening band bus turned right around and grabbed the five band members in Buck Cherry plus our tour manager. And we switched places with five of their guys and we drove to the venue all night. He goes, and where were you? I go, well, I was in the back with Kelly. We were spooning. My bass player and I were spooning in the back lounge because there wasn't enough room. room. And it was freezing. It was winter. So we get to the venue. None of our equipment is there. The guitar players brought one guitar piece, and I had to play this guy's drum set who's six seven. So you can imagine how that looks. Reach, yeah. And we did it. We finished. We played the show. We made our commitment, and that was it. And I told him that, and he's like, yeah, that's that point. That's that point right now where you either give up or you figure it out and you move forward. And I will never forget that. But you know, and you remember every detail of that uh, difficult situation. Tell me every detail of a situation where everything went swimmingly. You don't remember them. It doesn't, because it it doesn't leave a mark on you, right? Exactly. You know, it takes pressure to make diamonds. And one of the things that that I've learned, uh, one of the things that I thought was gonna hold me back for the longest time, and I've used it as a tool, Mm-hmm. is that I'm a fan first. If you look at my bikes, there is unquestionable. You can go look at, um, and hopefully someday you'll you'll be here and I can show you my shop and that, and you can mm-hmm. see some of the bikes that we've done. But there is a mark. There's bikes where you can tell I was very influenced by Billy. Oh, yeah. And if, yeah. You, go, if you go back to music, like you can say, okay, mm-hmm. you can listen to um, early Cream, right? Mm-hmm. Cream is, to me, one of the greatest three pieces of all time. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. I, I'm a I'm a huge I'm a huge Ginger Baker fan, a huge Clapton oh. fan. Uh, Jack Bruce is underrated as a as a bass player. Oh totally. Um, oh. not underrated by bass players, but right. under under bass players are by by virtue of just they're just underappreciated in general, right? You know, I mean, there uh, there's a lot of good ones out there. Um, but my point is, is that you can hear where they go through these things where they were into jazz or they were into this drug or they were into that or whatever. Yeah. There was something that happened. And if you look at somebody who's got a body of work like the Rolling Stones, you know, that goes almost 60 years where you can you can hear the different influences. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can see that in, in my bikes, too. I'm yeah. very influenced by Billy. I make no mistake about it. That Absolutely. That is what it is. I'm very influenced by Warren. Um, there's mm-hmm. I make no mistake about it. I'm very influenced by Jesse. Mm-hmm. As far as, I mean, those are the choppers that I like. And so I'm a yeah. fan first. So yes. if I can use one of Billy's parts and it Hell fits yeah. and it makes it look right, that I use one of Billy's parts, man. I we mean, were just talking about that license plate. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my license plate holder. And then mm-hmm. I have a set of, um, he used to make a set of bars called a whiskey bar, whiskey which has bars, a yep. slight bend yep. and then a yep. nice gradual. Mm-hmm. Those don't work on every bike. But there's no. bikes where nothing works better than that yes, than that yes. bar. And, you and can, I don't, dude, I don't think that there's anything wrong. I mean, because look, anything that I ever did musically was just me taking what I took from either Bonham or Tommy or or, or Randy Castillo ooh. or Eric Carr, and just kind of went, I like that. But what if I kind of did this to it? You sure. know, it's the same thing. I mean, that's why that saying is is so prevalent. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Now, a direct ripoff and then claiming diff- it for yeah. yourself, 
there's a difference. But you'll never, you'll never hear me not pay homage to. Oh yeah. The guys who yeah. came before me. I mean, you know, I look no. at some of Bill Dodge's bikes, and from a, or for, he to me right now more than anybody builds what I consider a functional chopper it, mm -hmm. as good or better than, I mean, he, I, to me, he's, I, he's at the top of, he's at the top of his yeah. game. Right. And I, I feel yeah. like you can't break his bikes. When I look at his bikes, no. I feel like you can't break his bikes. You know, there's, there's people who build elegant choppers. There's people who build <laughs> choppers that break my brain like that. Um, Hawk. Up Hawk in from from vintage technologies, yeah. Yeah, stop yeah. him. CT yeah. Newman, CT Newman breaks my <laughs> yeah, brain. Dude, I'm like, dude. stop. Like, I can't. Dude, those those are the guys that I will I will I will I will equate this to. Those are the guys that are like the mathematically incomprehensible drummers. Yeah. So Mark, that, that, Mike Portnoy, Mike uh, Danny Carey, Thomas Lang, Tony Royster Jr. Tony all Royster those guys, Jr. Yeah, dude, nice one. Those dude. guys that do stuff that you know, I, I, I can't even like. What? What are they? You know? Yeah. And yeah, CT and Hawk when the you know the exposed rocker boxes uh, on that shovel and and then like uh, that that can't run and then he starts it up and you're yeah. like okay all like, right I'm done wow. I'm out. So the beautiful thing about all of this that you've been into a lot longer prominently than I have, I look at it like the music. There's such a ridiculous flavor spectrum that the coolest thing about both of them is that as long as, as long as you like it, and as long as it makes you happy and as long as you you're, can own it and you're honest about it and you're honest about it it can't be wrong no now, i agree whether 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 the masses love it or not that's a whole different story but, but nobody ever ever makes a record and goes oh that's going to be a hit no nobody ever creates a motorcycle and goes oh people are going to love that no you just do it to the best of your ability you put your heart and your soul and your blood into it and you roll the dice and you throw it on the craps table and see what happens, man. You know, I feel like anything that's done, whether it be art, whether it be a motorcycle, whether it be a car, whether it be music, whether it anything, if you're doing it to play to um, the masses, the masses, people can see that. And it becomes it, you automatically give everybody an opportunity to marginalize your hard work. And so yeah. you're better off to play to the back of the I love to play to the back of the room. I always say that. And I don't think I've had Dude. this conversation with you. But for me, yes, for me, I care about um, if somebody I if I put together a bike for somebody, I want them to be happy with it. I want them yeah, to be very happy right. with it. Right. Um, right. But if I build a bike for myself, I'm playing to. You, I'm playing to Billy. I'm playing, you know, I play to the back of the room because my peer group is who determines where I'm at in the pecking order of abilities. And I, I think that I, Correct. you know, when you look at like a Rolling Stone, the, the top 100 drummers of all time or the top 100 guitarists of all time, I look at the guys, I look at the, the last 10 and the first 10 and I go, I, I'm usually, I'm, I usually don't agree with the, the right. first and the last 10. Never but I'm, have. but never I'm, have. but I'm usually pretty close. Okay, you know the the guys that are from thirty five to sixty five in, yeah. in in the rankings. I can, okay, all right, fine. I, that if I fall there, I'm happy. 
because because ultimately i'm happy with doing what i want to do i get up like i told you i get up every day without an alarm clock Mm -hmm. i come to my shop i work people know what they can expect from me i know what i can expect from myself i'm a fan first right i'm not an innovator i don't try to be i don't my brain doesn't do that my brain is looking at my my brain is looking at you know how many how many work orders have we done? Uh, mm-hmm. Is the special orders done? I mean, when you see my shop is a is you know is very different than most motorcycle shops that do what we do. Like right. most motorcycle shops don't have the ability to do the building that we do, and also do the service that we do. Right. Correct. And so, yeah. um, I'm looking at a lot of different things, and in my brain. I, I'm not saying I'm not smart, but I don't look at something and try to create a problem. <laughs> I look at something to try to create a solution. And guys right. like Billy create like this massive problem and then work their way work their way into totally. a solution and and wow everybody. I mean that hubless right. wheel, nobody's done it as clean as him. Never. Nobody's oh. done it as clean as him. And I've crawled yeah. all over every every chance I've gotten. I've seen the very original one. I've mm-hmm. seen, you know the Psycho Billy Cadillac, the, Psycho the very first yep. one, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next one was the money shot. Very mm-hmm. different, very different execution of the same solution. And by the time he got right. to the King of New York, it's it's almost you know it's it, he's got it down to where it's a system. Right. But everybody knows the cheat code too because when he wrote his autobiography, he kind of put the cheat codes in there. How he did it, use helicopter right. bearings, and when you when right. he when he explains to you, it's just a giant axle. Okay, I get it, I get it. Yeah. So it doesn't it. It doesn't make it any less difficult to do because I couldn't do it. Right. But yeah. it kind of it, it he pulls that curtain back and, and he kind of shows you what he's doing. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm yeah. trying to do is I like to support the industry. Like I love Paul at Bare Knuckles parts. I yeah. try to use them as much as I can. You yeah, know? Yeah. So what what was the when so you build you're in Burbank, you get invited to do this. Had you already moved to Austin when you got invited to do the in motion show? I had literally just moved back to Austin because I was no longer in the band, and I was like, I wanted to be closer to my family because they're here. Was Cholula and, done? Um, Cholula was done and sold. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. Bike I literally, I, and that was the craziest thing is I remember finishing that bike on a Friday, and I wanted to just drive it down the street, and um, I went to the Bob's Big Boy in Burbank, which is where all the hot yeah. go. So when you pull into that thing. You know, if you're not part of the clique there, they'll run you out. All the old timers, they will run you out because that's their night. And I pulled in with Cholula and I was just like, you know, I sat down and I had a burger and I had some fries. And this guy was looking at the bike and, you know, I'm kind of watching him and I'm like, all right, well, he's still standing around. So I finished up my burger and I walk over and then I go, hey, man. He's like, hey, dude, what's up? I go, because who built this? I go, I did. He's like, really? I'm like, he goes, do you have a shop? I go, no. He goes, is it for sale? And I said, no, no, no. I just literally finished it up because it wasn't for sale. It was for me. For you, right? And for me. And he said, my friend, everything is for sale. And I said, okay. So we kind of talked for a minute. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back in. I'm going to grab a milkshake. And I went, came back. He was gone. His card was there. So I kind of hung out and did my thing and talked to the guys. And then I took the bike. And about a week later after I'd put in, I took it to the Los Angeles crest and all around, I put about, you know, a thousand miles on it. I called him and I said, Hey man, this is that guy with the bike. And he's like, Oh, Hey, how are you? And I go, were you serious? And he's like, yeah. He goes, what's your number? I told him my number. He said, I'll meet you. And that was a week later. So that was Saturday. I called him on Sunday on Wednesday. He met me at Boggs big boy. I had a check and I had a title. Nice. That was it. 
and he still rides it to this day. And I, he called me just the other day and he's like, dude, I, he keeps up with me on Instagram. He's like, I can't believe that you're doing this. Like you're really doing this. I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I just know that I'm trying to put one foot in front of the other. And he was actually in line to buy, um, the black shovel that I did patients. That was, uh, that once again, a complete Jeff Cochran drop seat conversion frame that I right. adored. I wanted that bike because of the gold one. When I was on tour, I went to his pad and I sat on it and we talked and I was just like, Oh my God, I want this built that one. Boom, gone, you know? So it's just, you know, and again, I, I think sometimes that I don't want to put too much thought into it, man. Cause I will overanalyze everything and really fuck up a good time that I'm having. And I will. That's because I did that with music, and it'd be like, oh, well, you know, this record, we can't put that song on because oh, we've no. got to yeah. this, and oh, and, and oh, I can't do that kind of Fender. Because, oh, I can't don't do that. Don't hurt the art of, of what you're doing. You yeah, hurt the exactly. Art. And, you, and, don't and, need and a, you don't need a producer in, the, in, in that room. Right. And here's the greatest thing. When I'm doing this now, as opposed to doing what I did before, there are five equal entities in a room creating a body of work that because of that tension and that punching and that kicking and that fuck you and the beautiful work comes from it. Not all the time, not all the time, but most of the time. And the ability to do that by myself i am my own boss so like i told we had that conversation in in daytona where don henley says when you're in the eagles and you make a shitty record you can kind of look at glenn fry or you know joe walsh and be like oh well you know it might have been that song that he wrote sure when you're a solo artist it's all you man you know so there's a certain beauty in the fact that i will sit in my in my garage and stare at something for hours and just kind of you know, and that at some point in time, I get inspired by something. I'm not really sure what sometimes I, I always tell myself that there's a power greater than myself at work in these hands sometimes because Hopefully. I don't know where it comes. I don't know where it comes from and I don't want to know. It's not my job anymore. But I know that when like today I spent all day on a rear fender because I wanted it to be a certain way. And after trial and tribulation and on and off and remeasuring and trimming and shaving and replenishing and re- you know i sat back before i knew we were going to do our thing and i looked at it and i was just like yeah okay i'm happy that's good much like i would sit there in the control room and listen to a drum track and go yeah that makes me want to go like this that's you know? good and i love that you know that's a great that's a great feeling to have man it really is but again like you said you know none of this is done for the masses i've already done all that once in my life in my 20s 30s and 40s did that whole thing to appeal to everyone else you know and i got every gray hair <laughs> you earned every gray hair i, you I had, earned right? every gray hair and and again you know i i just i love doing this i love the community in it, not everybody in the community, because much like the music community, yeah. it's the same. Thing. I do so love being in this business, though. Yeah, so do I. I mean, and again, I'm so new to the business aspect of it 
the new to this whole thing that um, I still recognize from my prior situation, the stuff that happens in this one like that. And I go, Oh, okay. I got you. I'm cool. It's, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, you know, it's all good, man. You know, I, well, I just, you get to throw up those barriers and just go, you know, and you don't have to even make a big deal about it. You just go, no, I'm good. I'll I'm just, good. Yeah. I'll just I'm good. handle good. this over here. It's kind of like my, 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 uh, one of my, my biggest mentors says to me, he says, just stay on your porch, man. Just sweep your porch. It's all right. good. And I'm like, <laughs> And I'm like, you know what? I love that. And I'm going to use that, you know, and, and I do. And, and I have, again, those, those people that I know that if I need them and I call them, they're not going to go, Oh fuck. Yeah. They're not going to look at the phone and go, no, no, no. They're going to go, no, don't do that. Right. Did you do that? I'm like, yeah, I did. (laughs) No, no. Take it apart. You know, and perfect example. You know, I love that when I was really excited when I was building that black shovel patience that was, you know, one of Jeff's drop seats, I sent him a picture of the struts that I was going to make for the fender. And he walked me through how he does his fender, which is amazing when you think about it. The man's built 1,000 motorcycles. He's been At in least. business for $11 million in five years. And, and he's like, no, man, no, no. This is what you have to do because blah, blah, blah. And I sent him a picture of my struts, and I was all and I was all excited. Hey, look at me. You know, I'm building metal. And he's like, hey, man, those look really good, but they're not safe. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, imagine if you're a passenger and you're on this motorcycle and you hit a bump at 65 miles an hour and she weighs 130 pounds, which is probably not going to be the truth. She might weigh more. <laughs> what's what's going to happen? And, he, and he's walking me through this, Jason. He's walking me through it. And he goes, I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want your potential customer to get hurt. And I don't want anybody else around you to get hurt because I didn't tell you something that I've learned from experience. That was so monumental to me. So oh yeah, I mean, he's broken fender. You know, we've all broken oh. and, and miswired and wished we had that. You know, I wish I could go in the in the cover of night and get the first bike I ever built back and rewire it without anybody knowing, <laughs> just because of what I know now today know, about wiring. Your wiring is just, you know, thank it's you. Just, I, I I love that dude, and I dude, and I'm gonna be honest. When you sent that thing on Instagram, your 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 schematic, yeah. Oh, dude, I screenshotted that. Did you really? Oh, hell yeah. Because I'm like, this is art, you know, because it's just like, and that's the one thing about, not the one thing, but the biggest thing that I don't like about that process is the wiring. See, and and so that's the, that was my, I think, I think I subconsciously picked something that everybody dislikes so that it, it could be my thing, but it goes back to my hot rodding days and when I used to wire, uh, I, I grew up in in Detroit. Um, when we left Houston, we went to, we went back to Detroit, and I had a friend who have you ever heard of the Riddler Award at Autorama? It's like so Don Riddler, the, yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, high, yeah. Troy Chapaniers got it. Chip Foose has won it a couple times. Well, I have a friend who won it when he was fifteen years old and won it again when he was like twenty. He's one of the wow. only people to win it twice. And he taught me how to wire cars. He's like two years older than me. And so I grew up in his garage learning yeah. how to do stuff, building, you know, cars that back in the 80s cost, you know, forty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. He's the one that taught me how to – everything was polished. Everything was painted. Nothing was left, to, you know, to their own right. device. So I, I had a good teacher. And so 
that was the one I was willing to wire the cars and I understood the wiring and stuff. And so motorcycles, I see people, I have motorcycles come in here that are so overwired to the point. I'm like, if, if something does happen going on the road, you're not going to know where to look. Like I don't put fuses on motorcycles. I put a yeah, circuit breaker on the voltage regulator. So if it goes wonky, it'll pop the circuit breaker, but I leave everything on the battery side so you can get home and right. wire the brake lights up. So, you know, so that they're on a chopper, I'll wire them up to where they're hot all the time. Right. See, so if you turn the bike off, if you hit the brake, it goes on. But it's just my thing. I've I've had the honor of wiring uh, motorcycles for uh, like Fabricator Kevin and stuff like that, and I enjoy yeah. doing it. And it's something that um I wired uh, Cody's um, FXR, the one the FXR show. I don't know if you saw the orange oh. bike that was on yeah, the yeah. hot bike. I wired that God, bike. That too. thing is gorgeous, man. Think, yeah, that bike is that bike is a rad bike. It's got a one twenty four R and R, and it's really fast. <laughs> it's it's uh, ridiculously fast, as I found out coming up from <laughs> from the the old. I don't know what they call it now. It's a uh, mic. The new full throttle is way out on the road. It used to be the broken spoke county line. Oh yeah, yeah. And so yeah. coming up there, I went to pass a bunch of cars and went way faster than my eyelids wanted me. <laughs> to go so they're they're <laughs> fluttering but what is uh so when you're when you're in your garage and you're working and stuff what's your what's your favorite tool what's the one tool you've bought where you're like man this i could just work with this tool all day wow my woodward fab rotary shear really cool yeah when i'm when i'm like the the oil bag that i made for for this high seas rally build and the oil and, and the gas tank and, and it's funny, you know, again, when I started doing this, when I decided that I was going to do it, I was jumping all in regardless head over heels. I had a bunch of guys that were cool enough to give me some other stuff that they thought I needed a bead right. roller, bead bag, some hammers, you know, um, uh, shit like that. Paul Cox would send me pictures of stuff that I needed to make so that I could have cool bendy things. If I wasn't going to have cool a bendy thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A shrinker stretcher. Um, and then, um, you know, my lathe that, that, that is from Mr. Lane and all that type of stuff. But, uh, I have the bare minimum and that's the kind of the way that I want it, you know, that's good. because of the fact that I'm, I'm not going to go in because, you know, Paul told me and Billy told me that until I learn how to use a, ba a mallet in a bag and a planishing hammer and an English wheel, that there's no need to move from there because those are the bare base. Those are the basic essentials and the most, the, the most fundamental of all metal shaping. And I'm like, okay. So once again, I kind of do what I'm told. Um, but when I got that rotary shear, dude, I, the fact that I can just make crazy curves and turns with it and follow that scribe line is awesome. I yeah. love it. And it's such a simple thing. It really is. I mean, it's just uh, basically it's like a it's like a pie cutter, if you will, where other guys love their shears or their brakes or their lays or whatever. I love that thing because when I start to think of crazy little patterns and stuff that I want to stitch stitch weld. I mean, I can literally just, you know, but I, that's probably like my favorite. I'm, I'm always giddy when I, when I get to, when I get to use it, you know, the high it's seas cool rally place. is something that you're part of. That's going to happen, uh, hopefully still here in, in December, right? In December. Yeah. I hope so. You know, um, talk about every, that a little bit. Let us know. Let, let's hear what that, I know you've got, a, you've, that's your stakeholder as far as, you know, making that a success. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, they've, they've done it. The, the high seas rally has been something that's been around for about 18 years. I wasn't aware of it. It used and to be called hogs on the high. It was, it was called hogs on the high seas. Okay. Now at one point in time, they used to, they used to allow you to take your motorcycle on the vessel. And then when you got to port, you could pull your bike off and, but they don't do that anymore. But basically, um, they found me through a girl that used to work for Buck Cherry. She was our production assistant. Well, okay. her husband now is on the panel for this thing called Entertainment Cruise Productions. Entertainment Cruise Productions does all of these cruises. The High Seas Rally, which is a biker-themed one. They do sure. an 80s theme. They do three or four multiple jazz ones. They do a Star Trek one. Dude, I saw some <laughs> pictures of dude, I saw some pictures of the Star Trek cruise. Dude, they go don't, all out. They don't even talk. They don't even speak English. The Klingons speak Klingon to each other. Everybody's got – it's crazy. It's like Comic-Con or whatever that shit's called on a, on a cruise ship, but it's all Star Trek. They, all the datas are all made up. They don't come out of their cabins in normal attire. They all come up as out as, as, as Captain whoever and – dude, it's it, – and I was at their – at the St. Louis show, uh, the CSCL one. Their main office was about five blocks from where the event was. Right. So I went over there and had a meeting with them, and we're talking about stuff. And I'm, and they showed me this 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 video of the Star Trek cruise, and I'm like, I'm like, people do this on purpose? They're like, it's sold out five to six years in advance. And I go, are you kidding me? They're like, no, these people live for this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So. That company has a has a has a cruise called High Seas Rally, and it's all biker stuff. Well, the girl told her husband, or her husband had told um, her that they were trying to come up with new ideas to make this thing bigger and better. They had given away a Harley, they had raffled off an Indian, and she said, "Well, you know, why don't you give my friend Xavier a call? Who he might be able to point you in the right direction." And he he said, "Well, what does he do?" And he said, "Well, he used to be in Bucherry." And he goes, but now, you know, he's a motorcycle guy. He's, well, building motorcycles. And so he calls me, and two days later, they flew down here. They're in my garage, and we're talking, and we're hanging out. And they asked me if I'd be interested in building them a ground-up custom to raffle off for the Diabetes Foundation. Oh, that's um, fantastic. And I was like, absolutely, because, my, you know, my brother suffers from type 2 really, really bad. And um, so it's super, super close to me. Um and I'm like, um, I go, okay. And they said, well, we started talking about what they wanted and, and ideas. And I'm like, look, if you want a bagger or if you want uh, this or that, I'm not your guy. This is what I build. Here's my, my pictures. This is, these are the ones on the, on the floor, um, you know, in my garage. And they were like, no, man, do what you want to do. Just make it badass. So I was like, what? You know, yeah. so there's like that thing, that thing that, you know, that one, when it starts to kind of be something a little bit more than just an idea, right. it starts to, it starts to happen and starts to blossom. And I was tripping out, man. I was like, they left cause they flew down for the day. They literally flew in from Washington DC and then flew home and I'm sitting there and they're like, yeah, so, you know, um, drop a contract and let us know what you want, how you want to get paid. And I'm like. I'm sitting here in this office going, I don't know how to do that. That's, I've never had I've yeah. never had to draw up a contract for 
Providence cycle works, which again, back to Chris and the in motion show, I didn't have a name, Jason. He's like, well, I need a name and I need a name and I need a logo. I'm like, Chris, I don't have a name and a logo. I have an X icon that I've been using for 18 years, but that's about the only, he was like, okay, yeah, make figure something with that out. Let me know. So there you go. And, um, so that's what I've been doing with this. And every month I kind of just show a little bit of, you know, what I'm doing. I make a video for them so they can put it on their newsletter. Um, and that's kind of what's been happening. And, and I was really, I was really blessed enough. I was talking to Rick Bray. Uh, I met him in Galveston and him and I just hit it off, man. I mean, we just like, just hit it off. And we were talking one day and I was like, dude, you know, I don't know what, I don't want to do this. And I don't want to do that. He's like, man, just come on up to California. Just fly up here. We'll make a frame. And I'm like, really? He's like, hell yeah. So I booked a flight three days later. I was in his shop and, and there we were pipe on the floor. Just and I've never built a frame. So to, again, watch a guy like him do what he does was just extraordinary, dude. And, Again, not a shop full of Bailey this and Bailey that. He just had the stuff that he needed, man. And sparks were flying and pipe was bent. And next thing I know, I'm welding this and welding that. And it was four days and I got to hang out with his kids and his and Ashley. And we went to dinner every night. It was, it was just, again, I always talk about that thing, man, the experience. That's something that I have here that will never, ever go away. And the frame that him and I created is on the lift out there. And it's just fucking cool to that whole process. You Watching know? somebody that has, uh, that is comfortable in their own yeah. skin and comfortable in their own shop. Yeah. Is, there's something to that. Yeah. It's magical, dude. It, it is. really you is. You almost you know? don't want to spit in the soup. <laughs> You know what I mean? Where they're like, well, hey, what do you think? Should we do this here? And you're yeah. like, dude, I think we should do what you think is going. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because I'm here to learn. Like that. Yeah. It was like that. It was like he didn't, you know. That's how it all, is for just, me when I go to Warren's. Yeah. Yeah. And and he's like, so what do you think? Should we maybe a little bit more rake? And I'm just like, because uh, I look at like his bikes, like King Solomon. Yeah. And those bikes that, you know. I've, people look at those bikes and they don't think that they're rideable. Well, let me tell you something. I rode next to that fool in Los Angeles and none of them knew where they were going. So they were following this guy and I took him through hell on the LA streets. And every one of those cats was just jockeying, bap, 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 bap. And we all made it back. And I just was like, yep. Yeah. This is good. This is good. You know, in the same way with him and, him and Galveston with that bike. So I know that whatever he creates is fully functional. Yeah, you know? I'm beyond uh I'm beyond the, the criticism of, of of or look man, it, it it's um something might look like it might be breakable. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's breakable. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? I well, get it. And some things uh, again, that look like they're not are very breakable, are, right? Exactly. So, exactly. you know, I mean, you just have to take things for what they are. And, 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 and again, I mean, if somebody like him who has built 35, 40 frames and who welds and creates midget car outlaw chassis. Yeah, I was just going to say, this isn't a guy that takes what he does very lightly. This no, is a guy no. that, and, and there's some people that strap themselves and go pretty fast in those little cars. Yeah, and and he was he was the first one when we were talking about it. He's like, "Look, man, it needs to be safe. 
first and foremost. It doesn't matter how cool it looks or what the rake is or what kind of piping and tubing and axle plates. He goes, if it's not safe, neither one of us want our fingerprints on it. He goes, so if we if we want if we're gonna start there, if you're cool with that, let's go. I'm like, hell yeah. So you know, four days and I literally we sat back on the fit on on that fourth day and we were like looking at it and I was like, dude, that was awesome. You know, because it's unlike any other frame. That's it good. Really I, is. And that, that's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. See, and, and, and it's it's something that him and I, much like if creating a song with Keith and Buck Cherry or with Josh, like it's him and I and our thing back and forth. And I call it playing tennis. You know, I hit you the ball, you hit me the ball. I hit you the ball, you hit me the ball. And pretty soon we got this rhythm going. And, yeah, because um, there's certain things that there's certain things that have to be there. There's certain requisite oh, yeah, things yeah. you've got to have. Yes, you know, you've yes, got to pick. Yes. You got to have a top motor mount. You got to have a front motor mount. You got to have a back motor yes. plate. You got to have a train. Yeah. You know, so those things yeah. they have to be there. So you've got to figure out a way. The only work. thing that we used that was already in existence was the neck and the axle plates that that uh, 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 Nate from Harlot sent us. Gotcha. Everything else, the 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 all the all the mounts. All the gusseting, all that stuff was literally either it was flat plate that him and I came up with these cool little designs, and then I would cut out and we'd massage and we'd finesse them, and then you know you build it out of mild steel. Yeah. So yeah. the and frame will either be powder coated or painted or correct. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. So, and and it was just you know, and again looking around at his shop, seeing about seven or eight chassis that he had created, you know, for for midget cars for open wheel. And then, you know, this old car and all these motors and just, it's a shop, you know, and right. it was, and it, it was cold, Jason. It was cold. <laughs> yeah, he's in Northern California, isn't he? He's in Lemoore. Yeah. He's a little bit outside of Fresno. So during the day when the sun was out, it was nice. It was like 65, but bro, when the sun went down, it was just, you know, and I'm freezing, dude. I'm free. <laughs> and he's a skinny little fucker and he's just like in a hoodie <laughs> and a hat. And he's got it like this, and he's like, "Yeah, man, no, grab that piece of three quarter, you know." And I'm like, "I'm, dude, I'm all bundled up. I look like Cartman. I'm just like, right. you know, you know." That's awesome, but dude. Such an awesome experience. So that's, you know, that's what I'm doing for that, and hopefully, um, you know, hopefully the cruise will 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 happen in December, and we can raffle this thing off because that's the most important thing is to get you know people to to buy tickets for this thing. Um, well, I'm, so. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that. You know, I'm I'm holding out hope that Sturgis is still going to happen on time. I'm holding mm -hmm. out hope that you know, Biketoberfest will happen on time. Um, I you know, I don't want to get into any of that kind of the hyperbole that's going on about you know what's going to happen. But I I think that um, there's definitely this is going to change things a, a lot of things for a lot of people and for a lot of people. Uh, yeah. There'll be some new ways of you know, every cloud has a silver lining, dude. Yeah, and uh, there's some good things that are coming out of this, and you know, this is one of those situations that creates, that has the opportunity to create uh, a bunch of new, ingenuitive ideas and and mm -hmm. ways and means and things that are different, and so it's not all bad, yeah. you know. And it, there's no, been a lot of time I, for introspection from a lot of people, a lot, a of, lot reading, of people, and it's it's funny. A lot of people ask me, you know, dude, so. You know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, because you got to think about it. Look at all the musicians that aren't touring right now. I know. No concerts, no T-shirts, no money. You right. know what I'm saying? So the fact that you and I have something that we can do daily that we love that right. still keeps the lights on. Sure. 
I mean, come on, that's that's a great thing. And the fact that you know, I've had a couple of guys go, dude. So, are you freaking out, man? You don't, you know, Texas is locked down. I'm like, dude, listen, I'm so used to being gone all the time that me being here, working on a motorcycle that I'm learning every day is is awesome for me because at some point in time this is going to break and when it does people like me and people like that do rallies and stuff like the Callens and cycle source we're going to have to get back out on the road right we're going to have to go back out and do that thing i'm going to have to go promote providence promote high seas rally and i won't be here building so i better be using this time to get as much done as possible because when that does happen and those floodgates open you know, people are going to be that much hungrier for new stuff and, and, oh, yeah. and activities Absolutely. and stuff. And I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that I have what I, I, I really like Daytona bike week. I've always mm-hmm. liked Daytona bike week yeah. and I enjoy that. Is it your favorite? It's my favorite. I mean, See, I like Sturgis because of just the history of it. Um, but I, and maybe I like Bike Week so much because way back in 98, 99, before I was in Buck Cherry, right. and I was working here at a company called Voodoo Customs, we would load up a 24-foot trailer with all of our motorcycles, and we'd go to Daytona Bike Week, and we'd stay on at the Thunderbird on A1A, and we'd ride, and we'd drink, and we'd party, and then we'd put the bikes back, and we'd all walk down to Main Street to Froggies and just get stupid and go to go to all of those cool little destinations so there's a whole other part of like my bike love that stems from that and that's where i'm glad that you said that because i don't have very many friends that agree with me when i say that the daytona bike week for me that was that was the first motorcycle event i mean so our year used to go super bowl weekend was the v twin expo in cincinnati mm-hmm. and that was everybody's okay Christmas is over. Thanksgiving is over. What have you been doing? What's going on? What are we, who's going right. to, where are you going to be for Daytona? Where you know, everybody's making their plans. And then the phone mm-hmm. calls start, right? I'm like, Hey, you know, we're setting up here. You guys want to get a hotel together. You want to get a condo together, da, 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 all those things. Right. Everybody converges from the North converges down somewhere where the weather is a bit unpredictable, but at least we know it's not going to be as cold as it is at home. <laughs> Right. right. And we do exactly what you said. We party our balls off and have a good mm-hmm. time and get to see all of our friends. And then we make plans for the next event. You know, mm-hmm. usually June was the smoke out. Right. And then smoke in June, right. everybody's kind of like, OK, what's going on? Well, now we're doing business like in the Midwest. You're doing bit. You're in the throes of your big business. And then August hits. There's no business. Everybody goes to Sturgis. And then, right. you know, if you're, if you're lucky, you get to go to Daytona uh, for Biketoberfest, and then it starts all over again. So I, some of the best memories I've ever had in my oh, whole yeah. life are uh, of Daytona Bike yeah. Week and the drive down and it being cold when you got home. And it just, it's good. That, that is my favorite, too. And the criticism I hear a lot of people tell, well, there's nowhere to ride. Well, look, man, you can ride the rest of the year, I want to see my friends. This is a high school. Yeah, re- my friends, exactly. the, the, the downside of being in this business is my friends live in Austin. My friends mm-hmm. live in Abilene. One of my best friends lives in the United Kingdom. Yeah, uh, right. You know what I mean? So yeah, you get to meet TikTok uh, in Daytona. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. like, there's a reason for all of us to be in the same place at the same time and all be doing something that is um, working vacation e kind of you know you work during right. the day and then in the evening you go have restaurant you know, a block yes. away from the beach there's something yes. about smelling that salt water at night where you're yes. wearing flannel and yeah. you know what i mean 
And so, and there was always I great bands too. So you're on Main Street, you're at the station, and and you're at Froggies, and you're having a couple, and then you go over here, and you go to that, and then that, and that band is the best and cover dude, bands I've ever seen in my ever. entire life. Here, I'll tell you two stories. One, so yeah. there was a band that used to play at. Uh, I don't remember the name of the of the place right now. It'll lose me, but it's on the south side of the road. It's the first big venue that's out. The Full Moon Saloon. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. So there's a band called Shovelhead, and Randy Rhodes' brother was the drummer for Shovelhead. I remember. So I was that. told, and the dude that was singing, they were doing a cover of Velvet Revolver's. Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember the name of the song. It was their big, their first really big hit, and Slither? he's like. Yeah, Slither. So he's like, yeah. he says, you know, he says like the first verse and he said, and then they go, yeah, you know, and then, yeah. and he's got in one hand, this guy is a pro music. I mean, those guys are, those guys are professional musicians. They're just in a cover band, but they're right. pro music musicians, you know, and he's eating this giant Polish sausage dog with <laughs> green onions or green peppers and onions with mustard coming off the backside of it. He's got tight black jeans on and he's singing Slither. And in between the verses, he's taking a bite, but he's still hitting the note. There was that one. And then there was the night we saw across the street there. And I don't know if that, what that venue was back then, but um, we saw a fucking Skid Row play. Wow. No Sebastian, obviously, but um, of course, yeah. Is it, is it Rochelle? That's in, that's the lead. Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Yeah. And then the next, the next morning we're at Dunkin' Donuts on A1A A1A, and there's these burned out looking just, and I'm looking at them and I'm kind of not really recognizing them, you know, and you could tell, and it was fucking Skid Row ordering. They all ordered like a donut and a coffee, went and sat in a booth and here's some little tiny white dude with a tie on comes over. Obviously their manager or something pays their bill. But I was like, I saw Skid Row at Dunkin' Donuts on A1A. You know what I mean? Like that kind of shit is is great. The experience. I met John Cougar, uh, John Cougar Mellencamp or John Mellencamp on Mm -hmm. A1A there uh, at Daytona Bike Week. Uh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, wow. I mean, you know, th- this was cool. I mean, yeah. that was back in the heyday, obviously. That was like 04, yeah. 05. I don't know. It was, it, they were hanging out in Russell's booth. Both those dudes yes. had bikes built by yeah. Russell. But, but that, I mean, that's when, that's times, when it was dude. just like, dude, I mean, it's, Main and Street that's, that's like, that's, that's not like the thing we talked about, you know, the 70s will never be recreated style-wise, music-wise, 80s. And the 90s, okay, cool, yeah, there was some great stuff. But like when you think about like the heyday of all that, when you would see those big rigs rolling down the road, Chrome Specialties, Custom Chrome, Performance Machine, yeah, RC dude. Comp, you'd see those 18-wheelers, and then they were all set up somewhere. You're like, this is serious. This yeah, is good. Yeah, there was a good. lot. This is good. Dude, Main oh, Street yeah. used to be the shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah and and it. I mean, it is to some degree, but it'll never be like that again. So the fact that guys like you and me can you remember, remember stuff like that, yeah, and have these oh, conversations, yeah. and you know, yeah. it's like trying to catch, it's trying trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Yeah, you know, sometimes you're in the thick of it and you don't realize how cool and, the situation and is. And at one point in time, we're going to be, you know, hopefully the Arlen Fatlands going, yeah, you kids don't know what the fuck you're doing because he told me that the other day at Bike Week when I went down to his shop where Billy was at. Da, 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 da. And we, they were talking about something in one of those 1921, whatever, whatever. And I remember our, our little looking at me. He goes, yeah, you kids just don't know what you're doing. And I was just like, that's so, that's so cool. I know, right? <laughs> when Harlan Valet looks at you and says that, I was just like, that is so awesome. You know, and then he just gives me the thumbs up and pats me on the back. And then I'll see you later, buddy. And yeah, he's nice like, dude. That's rad. Yeah. I got so. to meet him and Warren's dad, uh, Warren and Billy's dad. I brought a engine block 
down for uh, Warren Senior back in oh Bike Week '08 or Bike Week '09. I don't remember now, but yeah. there was a, he does those Corvettes. He was doing Corvettes yeah. back then still, and he needed yeah. like a certain serial number casting number thing. And I brought the block down for him, and they came over and got nice. It. Yeah. So right on. cool dude. So, well, dude, yeah. I appreciate you doing this. This is, I, I I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say, I, I was really a pleasure to hang out with you in Daytona and oh, it was dude. a pleasure doing this. And, uh, I look forward to the, the next time we're in the same room and can, can fist bump again and, you oh, know, and laugh our absolutely. asses off as, uh, and there, and, and there will be, you know, the thing that the cool thing is that when you can relate to people on one level, that's cool. But when you can relate to people on multiple levels, like, you and I could completely spend hours talking about music and never talk about a motorcycle. Or, not one. Yeah, or talk about or by or, yeah. or by motorcycles and never talk about music. You know, that's 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 an awesome thing. It's like much like Billy, you know, Billy will send me pictures of him or videos of him playing guitar, his Les Paul or his SG and and that's cool. I love that because that was our first real hangout meeting was him being on my bus and traveling with us for a week or two and just being a dude, loving cool. music. And I would be in my bunk, you know, like Billy Lane is sleeping, you know, yeah. Mr. Chop, Mr. Chopper Zinc. And then, you know, after, after a while, I mean, I'm always going to be a fanboy. I, I am too. I, even when you talk about matter. that, that fanboydom, yeah. you yeah. know, I, it, it, it and I'm okay with that. I'm a grown enough man. I'm comfortable I'm, in my own I, skin. I'm totally comfortable looking at that, even though I'm his. I'm Godfather to his firstborn. So there is a. There's always going to be that fanboy thing when it comes to that guy. But I, over the years, have learned that you know I love to sit with him and talk about life. Look, man, anybody that knows me knows that deep down inside, I'm still a 15-year-old kid oh, from, you know what I mean? And long, so all day long, I get excited about long. stuff and I have, yeah. you know, I, I'm still excited about this. Yeah. I'm still yeah, excited yeah. about this. I still see stuff that, that makes me smile. I still see mm-hmm. stuff that makes me happy. And every yeah. once in a while, I somebody opens or overturns an old rock, and I'm like, oh, I remember that. That was when yep. this happened. And, you know, yep. and, it, yep. you know, and, and I said earlier that the windshield's bigger than the rearview mirror. But, you know, sometimes looking in the rearview mirrors, you know, you, you want to see what's coming up behind you. And yeah, it's you can okay. reminisce a little it's bit. Okay. I mean, I think, I think the thing about the analogy with the windshield and the, and the mirror is, you know, never forget where you came from. No, because I think at some point in time, a lot of people, whether it's music related or fashion related or motorcycles, at some point in time, the ego becomes bigger than the person. And the only reason I can say that is because I've lived it. I experienced that. I know what that was like. So I'm I'm grateful enough to have the ability to say that and learn from it and have walked through it and gotten to the other side where I've had people that I love very dearly go, Hey man, you just need to reel it back a bit, bro. Okay. Right. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah, you're right, man. So I think that looking back and going and winking and nodding and going right on is good. Looking back and going, that's not good. You know, because again, like you said, stare at the mirror too long you're gonna hit something yeah because there's always something new coming up in the road always man always and that's the beautiful thing is that if you're just have enough willingness to just be open to it and be like yeah okay cool and then maybe not maybe go yeah that's not for me i don't really i'm not you know 
but at least you know. Yeah. At least you know, you know, and you have the ability to make those decisions because it's those decisions that either go left or right or not right into the middle and hit the oak tree that nobody sees. <laughs> Because <laughs> that's what a really good buddy of mine. He goes like, contrary to proper belief, my friend, there's more than a left and a right. There is straight, and nobody sees the oak tree. And I'm like, yeah, that's heavy. Yeah, that's deep. That's deep shit for a diesel mechanic, bro. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, I, we could do this for hours, you know. And we could. That's um, part of the problem. I don't know. The <laughs> bandwidth. The bandwidth would cost me too much. But, but just wait till I come to your place and we do this in person or you come here and we're just sitting there and we're flipping through records and looking oh, at LPs, awesome, and, dude. you know, and looking at the liner notes and wait a minute, he played Pearl drums back then. Why? Well, you see the guys that are this, I always like looking at the, and seeing who, who appeared on the record. Right. You know, uh, right. you know, Eric Clapton appears courtesy of EMI. Or yep. you know what I mean, yep. Dwayne Allman. Those are the oh, those are the legalities. Yeah, those are all the all them little or, tricks. Or me or us talking about records of guys that didn't play on, but they're on the but they're in the picture. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, us being the Kiss fans that we are, we've had to deal with a lot of heartbreak from that. But I I'll, to go full circle back to where you are, and then and then I'll let you go. Eric Carr was a really good drummer, and I wasn't mad about him being in Kiss. Oh no, dude, I dude. <laughs> Not only that, he was a really great drummer, and yeah. again, like I told you, I got to, I got to use some of his equipment. My first ever, ever, ever outing, and I got to sit and speak with him when they shot the Forever video. And what an amazing, what a beautiful human soul that that man was. Completely opposite of Gene, right. and Paul. Paul was sweet at the time, and. I think at that point that was Bruce Kulick. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't Tommy Thayer. But um, Eric was j just. I mean, dude, Class. like uh, beauty. Like when you think of angelic, angelic inhabiting a man's body or a human's body, it was that guy, and he was so sweet. And I never met one drummer pre and post that has ever said anything bad about him ever not, not one soul you know much like randy castillo you know when i i did that that um that documentary series for randy castillo every everybody was just like you know and that's what you want dude you want yeah that. i want to be the rudy sarzo of bike builders <laughs> you know what i mean dude, dude, dude that guy has been in I mean, the greatest metal bands of all ever, time like and, you can't say anything negative about that guy, and he's just the most. I follow him on Instagram, and he's just. He, I know, so do I. He's yeah. such a sweetheart of a guy. I'm yeah. sure if if you got to, meet, I've never met him, but I'm sure if you get he's, to meet that dude, I I did a rock and roll fantasy camp with him, and he was just, and he's got that that Cuban accent, you know. Yeah. So when he, he talks, he's just he's got this real suave thing to him. And it, well, when you do it, when you play the quarter note, when the down, and I just I'm watching him, and all I can think of, bro is all of the footage of Ozzy, Randy, Tommy, and him. When he's when Rudy's wearing that tight the stripes red. You know, I mean, you know, talk about somebody whose personality doesn't fit the mix of uh, not at all. Not being the crazy people. I mean, not Quiet Riot, 
He's in Quiet Riot. He's in Quiet Ozzy's Riot. first band. He's White in White Snake. Snake. Now he's with um, Grant. Uh, uh, not Grant. Three Funk, Dog Night. He wasn't Three Dog. Did he? He's he, a, he, he did a he did a stint with Three Dog Night, and then he's now with um, not BTO. Um, the no. Guess Who. The Guess Who. Guess Who. There you go. Yeah. How about that? And I have pictures of when we did our jam, you know, because on the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, you have a collective of students. Sure. And I was an instructor as a drummer, and he was the bass player. So getting to work with him on a musical level, like uh, every day I walk in, and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's really sore. So it's like crazy train. It's like – Yeah, it's and, still, and you still. being a drummer and the relationship between a drummer and a bass player, that if it's not homogenous, yeah. it, gets, yeah. it it doesn't yeah. work and at all. And that's the one thing that he talked <laughs> about. He was like, you know, if him, if, if him and I can't dance together and do the tango, then we don't need to be on the floor. And I was just like, oh, my oh, God, yeah. that's awesome. Right. You're like, I'm going to write have, that I, down. Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture of – um, somebody took and I'm playing and we're at the whiskey and he's on the drum riser next to me and I'm looking at him, dude. And you can see and that he, little, that little six year old kid like this, right? you know, just like, Oh, wide eyed. Like, Oh my God, this is happening. I'm jamming with Rudy Sarzo at the whiskey. A go, go, go on the sunset strip. I can go home now. I'm good. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this, dude, man. I really, I, I, I appreciated pleasure. hanging out with you in, in Daytona. You were, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, but I appreciate that, man. <laughs> you told me that, actually. Let, let me know when you meet them, and then we'll talk yeah, about that. Yeah, I know. But, but uh, it was, the honor was mine. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And thank you again for uh, for showing me some love with that uh, that part. That was awesome. I'm oh, excited. no worries. No worries. So we can, everybody can find you online on Instagram mm -hmm. at Providence Psychoworks, right? Mm -hmm. With an X, uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, um, and the website Providence Psychworks. And you can get your merch at HotLeathers.com, yes, right? Yes, that's pretty good. HotLeathers.com. Nice. Yeah, you can get all my all my stuff through there, which is crazy in itself. Sometimes I think about it, I'm like, what? You no, know, it's so. good, man. It's yeah, just you it's know, your little hands off and, and let somebody yeah. hit and, and make sure that the, yeah, there's some continuity there. And uh, the High Seas Rally is going to be the weekend of the fifth and sixth. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. Is it a one-week or a one-weekend deal? It's a one-week. It's December 5th through the 10th. Okay, December 5th third through, through the 10th. 10th. Third, third through the 10th, yeah. And we can find yeah. that information on that. On you can high go to highseasrally.com. Perfect, yeah. perfect. And you're yeah. building a bike for that, and you're going to be attending that as well, right, as well as the Cowboys? Yeah. And as, yeah, so basically on that cruise ship, you will have myself and the entire Cycle Source crew and the Grease Gears and Garage stage, so we will be doing – technical stuff on the stage on the boat we will be using oxyacetylene and tig welders and bending metal and they're going to have mini bike races on the ship i don't know how they're going to do that but they figured it out so that's that's awesome it's going to be crazy you know well fantastic man it was good to talk to you stay safe you too my man be well and uh absolutely this, we'll, well i'll send you a text when this comes out but thanks again for oh. doing this man i really okay man you're it. welcome have a great Take night care, bro bye, bye. Thank you for listening.